was that monstrosity you made <laughs> it was a recipe passed down to me by my mother that is not a recipe that is like yo i threw some slop in a bowl pigs probably eat better i don't understand what the big deal is what is, is it the taste is it the smell the taste it's all of that shit together yeah. like nothing about that works <laughs> nothing about that dish is cohesive nothing brings it together I will literally, like, finish off the beet part, and I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of cottage cheese floating uh. in beet <laughs> and dressing. And, oh, I'll just scoop that up. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Mmm. Oh, there's some sunflower seeds in there, too. Oh. Okay, so, Polly. Yeah. After Five is replacing John for, yeah. for the beginning yeah. of the podcast, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and get on to the horn about that beet to But... I'm really glad I set an alarm for that. I had an alarm that said, Welcome to the Beat Cast that I thought of like 45 minutes ago. And I was like, I need to remember to bring that up at the start. Then I did. Oh, wait. I refused to use bottled salad dressing out of principle. I saw that. Pancho was like, I bought like the nice salad dressing too. It was like $5 for this little, for this like glass jar. And Pancho's like, mm, using bottled dressing. Huh. Interesting. It's like nice dressing. Buy nice stuff at the Walmart. Go to like see part of the Walmart where they have to actually refrigerate the dressing. Thank you for the resub, Rhett. 16 months in a (laughs) row. What's everybody else's fucking excuse? Yo, Tingu Generous. Welcome back to the fold. Thank you for the 200 bitty, bitty, bitty bops. I, I heard cottage cheese is good and beets are good. I am validated by our number one um, donator. Our here. number one Thank contributor. You. Contributor says that my, I'm right, so I'm validated here. I've actually cooked beets before. You need to take care to avoid staining everything. That's the best thing with beets is that they also just like have this like dark red juice that just gets everywhere. You just like pretending doesn't it's go away. blood, don't you? That's oh, that's definitely. like the whole that's just the whole allure to beets to you, isn't it? That's it. Like that's where it actually ends. Is that you just like pretending it's blood? Sure, he gets. <laughs> Beets have a very good have a very good color. I'm not disputing their color. I'm not disputing their color at all. I'm disputing. I. I <laughs> oh my god. I, I'm disputing. Look, it is one of the most blood adjacent foods outside of just like <laughs> eating a really good rare steak. Mm, yeah, blood adjacent outside of stuff that is actually blood in it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, don't eat, don't eat the good food that's actually got some blood in it. I'll eat that. You know, I made chili today too. I'm just rolling in good stuff today. Mm. So I'm mostly the beets. You just, All right, I will. I did you will put the beets in the chili? Me. Did you put the beets in the chili? I thought about posting a picture of me like about to pour canned beets into my <laughs> chili. It's like, all right, final ingredient. Oh. And a gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't make jokes about, but I don't want to make a joke out of beets. I'm very serious about my thing. Takes his beets. Found affection. We don't beat around about beets. We don't beat around the bush. Affection. Welcome to SoxCast episode 83, your home for beat mania. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm known for. Yeah, definitely. Ah! Like, five times a day, world champion. Count like a three-level three level pun there, Pop. I know. I know. Just going deep, head first, all in. <laughs> it's a, that's another. That one was real subtle. I bet you can tell. Yeah. I'm your host, Polly. Welcome to this shit show. Like, like going down <laughs> with someone? I don't <laughs> Who did you piss off to end up with this podcast on your chosen MP3 player? <laughs> to my immediate <laughs> virtual right, the SoxCast <laughs> mascot. It's Rhett. I'm the mascot now? You are the official mascot. I'm, well, you were voted Sweet. You were voted unanimously the SoxCast sex symbol back in 2015. Oh, God, that was so long ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's only gotten more true. Yeah, it just gets more <laughs> yeah, true I'm with time. Finally, living up to that reputation. Yeah, like I know, the more great. you divulge, the more you divulge, the sexier you get. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I do use I do self actualized. Yeah, there you go. Just uh, he... accept the trash pile that you are. It's not that. It's not accepting the trash. I've always known I was the trash. It's being public about being yeah. the trash. That was the hard part. <laughs> you are very public with the trash it's, these days. It's so good. Doesn't it feel so good? Yeah, just like yeah. releasing uh. the releasing the bonds that once tied you, <laughs> that once shackled you to the barren earth, but you now soar high <laughs> and mighty. This Almost. is a really overdramatic way of saying he retweets anime titties now. He retweets anime titties mm. and jacks off a fucking lot. <laughs> How you doing, Rhett? Good. You doing great? Yeah, doing great. Doing just fucking dandy. I got up at like 5 a.m. and played like six hours of Dead or Alive. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Is that really what you did? Did you yes. really spend all day today playing more Dead no, not, or Alive? No, not all day. It was like 11 a.m. I'm like, see, I still have yeah. the rest of the day. I, and now you I'm so still struggling to find... Time. Oh, my God. I can't believe you're still playing this game. Even though it's I like... the chat is still talking about beats. It's like a game in the loosest fucking sense. Oh, it's not about the... <laughs> Polly, let's be clear. It's not about the game. I know. <laughs> But still, like, I would have found something else to masturbate to by this point. I mean, I bounced off it for a while. And then I've come back around. It always brings you back in. <laughs> this is great because, like, the, the sci-fi dystopian <laughs> image from, like, the 1950s onward was that once we get VR, oh, it's downhill for humanity because we're all just going to be looking at the VR porn and jacking it. And it's like, we get to see that. How? <laughs> Right we are witnessing eyes. this happen live, yeah, like heartbreaking of the future. <laughs> so, what's it feel like to be the mascot? Anime titties stamping on your face for eternity. 
<laughs> How's it feel to be the mascot of the future, Rhett? We, you okay. are humanity's greatest design. You are the final evolution. <laughs> the final evolution. The pinnacle. <laughs> Oh my Man, I thought that I, I thought for sure I went at it like six times today. I thought for sure I might be ahead of you for once, but maybe not. Damn, I'm at zero today. Dang. Yep. <laughs> not not so lazy. Sometimes it's like a sporting event. You don't want to do it before a podcast. Got to keep that. <laughs> you got to take that energy. It depends. Yeah. You can take the edge off sometimes. Yeah. No, you got to get all wound up and use that energy to do good podcasting I, yeah. I guess that explains me then because i got all the energy in the world right now <laughs> to my immediate virtual left beats are fucking disgusting it's john thyer it's not what i would say hi that, no you, you should say it i would like it's you more my mouth I, ugh. i've already just just right out of the can not even like good ones just like the cans pre-sliced <sighs> not refrigerated god mm. Ugh. I used to, they used to have my school cafeteria, and I remember once like, asking the cafeteria, "No, can I, I want that. You want that? Yeah, give me some of those." And she's like, "Man, nobody ever wants these. <laughs> give me these <laughs> little just... little red discs of death. They're terrible." How, the how you doing, John Thayer? Uh, I paid, I made my boss mad last week because last Friday because he was like, "What is that smell?" It's like, it <laughs> oh smells no. Like Beats. I'm like, well, these beats. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, bring so in that I... concoction you made then. They'll did love you? that. No, no, just the, it was just beats that time. If I did the whole thing, that might not. That's be... what I'm saying. Next time, you should just break oh. the whole thing. Oh man. Yeah. Like ingrati ingratiate the office with that wonderful aroma. I'm sure, they're gonna love every bit of it. Zach, should we shame Zach for eating well done steaks, but? Even, but he is our like number one contributor, so we should probably leave him alone, right? Yeah, we'll 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 let him we'll let, we'll let him, him off. Ah. Like if you pay me enough, dog, let you off the hook. That's how it works here. Right. I play favorites. I ain't gonna fucking sit here and lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you guys hear about the most epic rap battle in history going on right now? No, tell us about so, it. So last night, apparently. Um, <laughs> it's the greatest rap battle in history. You're gonna have to look it up when I mention it because there's video out there and it's fucking hilarious. But um, um, superstars Limp Biscuit, who remain ever, oh. ever so, ever so fucking relevant in 2018. You can still jam to this. 2018 year of Limp Biscuit still somehow surviving. Yep. <laughs> they were performing at uh, a festival last night. And uh, Shaggy Too Dope, a member of the Insane Clown Posse, jumped on stage. Oh, jumped on stage and tried to drop kick Fred Durst off of the stage. And I can only say, like, I I would have to have maybe a wrestling expert analyze the footage. It is the most <laughs> hilarious drop kick I've seen in history because he didn't even come close to connecting. Like it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. So, so, 
So, so go watch that video. Great way to go watch the that podcast, video. Probably. Great, great way to you know. It's just like <laughs> adding. I like to think of it as adding more context. It, it, it's like play online that 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 strategy mm-hmm. guide for Final Fantasy Nine, where we oh, yeah. just, we just like you know we're gonna have various parts. What if we of just podcasts. talk about videos that are really funny on the podcast forever, and to be like, hey, go watch this, and then they come back to the podcast and they're like, all right, good, you watch that, now watch this. Yeah. Oh wow, and then they watch. They just spend like three hours like. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, Listening Garden just linked it in the chat. Listening Garden just linked it in the chat. Go watch it. It's the greatest dropkick in the history of dropkicks, I have to imagine. Just Fred Durst utterly Should devastated. I click it or not? Click it. It's good. It's okay. very funny. I'm clicking it. It's very funny. So, oh, she even like, linked it like <laughs> exactly to the right time. It's just like perfect timing, isn't it? It's so bad! It's such a bad job. It's like, you fucking... Like, your butt... It's like, I remember... Like, my tweet was, like, so Limp Bizkit and ICP are fighting. Is this the sound of two turds rubbing together? Uh, okay, so which side are you on in this epic rap battle for history? Team ICP or Team Limp Bizkit? Limp Bizkit's way better. Okay. What about you, John? ICP or Limp Bizkit? Pardon? I have no context for either of them. Was ICP do the Silent Hill Downpour one? What? No, that was Corn. Oh, that was Corn. Theme song. Oh, okay. I mixed up Corn and ICP. Does that make sense? I don't seem like a thing. I mean, they're both kind of things that white trash people listen to and enjoy unironically. So, (laughs) like all new metal. And then Fred Durst, then Limp Bizkit is like things that Pats enjoy, right? I think so. Yeah, that definitely strikes me as like a something Pat would definitely spend his time on. <laughs> the way you said that was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Zach does say ICP was an important part of Homestuck War, so that is what? I do have more connection there. I I don't even want to know. I'm not going to ask for an explanation on that because. I feel like I would just get dumber than I already am from hearing it. It's a clown troll that kills a bunch of people with an axe. It's pretty simple. Wow. It's very dramatic. It's very... Okay. Rat! It is. Hi. So, uh, what's been doing? How you, how, you know, so we do the song and we do a podcast and we then we talk yeah. about things let's, that we let's do. Let's talk about some stuff that let's I do. Let's talk about some stuff. Let's do that. Uh, Never a live update. Live update? Oh. I mean, <laughs> because you're doing it right now? No. <laughs> uh, I saw a movie this Sorry, week. Brad. What'd you see? I saw My Hero Academia 2 Heroes. Oh, yeah, I've seen a lot which, of positive feedback on that. Yeah, it's actually quite good for a, you know, a Shonen Jump anime movie that's kind of inconsequential to the overall plot. But they do a thing to kind of place it in the timeline that doesn't feel completely and nobody will ever basically. mention the events that happened but, in it but yeah no one will ever mention the events again there's a weird thing where like a scientist builds this gauntlet that is like hey deku you know you, you keep breaking your arm whenever you punch something so here's the thing that'll like with that withstand some punches like exactly three of them <laughs> and then you know he uses it and it's like hmm how come they never made him another one? Because that was like really useful. But, yeah, you that know? seems like a thing that he could. It, uh, that could really movie. help him out a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, that they're never going to reference stuff from again. Nope. But, nah. But yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, you know, it's pretty much what you expect from that series. Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's a shonen fighting series, and there's a couple good fights. And then it goes so bonkers at the very end. Like, I thought it was over, and then it's like, turns into JRPG villain nonsense. Oh, no. So it's like 11 people versus this one really 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 strong nightmare boss (laughs) (laughs) which is so exactly what i wanted from that series basically yeah excellent the thing about it though is that because it's a movie like they didn't want to cram in all the characters so like there's 20 students in that one class so they only use 10 of them Mm. and somehow frog girl does not make that cut how do you not get frog Uh. girl in the fucking show like, how, I don't know. Like, she is by far one of the most popular characters. How is she not in the movie? The, the weird thing is, is that, like, everyone is technically in the movie, but, like, because they go to this island, so, again, it's, like, literally, it's the standalone story island. <laughs> like, <laughs> standalone so, story island. Remind me to put that in my RPG. <laughs> so, like, Deku goes there by himself with All Might, and then it's suddenly revealed, oh, look, everybody else happens to be here. And they're all kind of revealed over the course of the movie. And then 10 of them are together in this one place when the villains attack. So the other 10 are just like sitting in the hotel room watching on TV, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally like Frog Girl and the Acid Girl. And I think the Invisible Girl are just chilling in the hotel room the whole time. Being like, hmm, they said not to go outside. Okay. Man, you know, they, really could put, they could put Invisible Girl in so many important scenes and save so much money, but they don't. They, they haven't done shit with her. God. She has, honestly, God, like, I'm pretty much caught up on the show now. She has done, like, less than uh, Toga, and Toga hasn't done shit either. <laughs> Except had a really good reveal. Except they do reveal what her quirk is. I think I mentioned the other day yeah. when I'm like, I don't know what her fucking quirk is. Is it just, I have a knife? Cause that's kind of weak. <laughs> that's it's a great clean, quirk. Kind of weak. That's a great quirk. Like what's your superpower? I have a fucking knife. knife. Yeah. But again, compared to I sweat nitroglycerin or <laughs> I am fucking Superman. Like I like that. It like that, a little weak. Like in persona, there are enemies that are just weak to gun. I imagine there are a lot of things in the world weak to gun. Oh, that reminds me. The weirdest moment in this entire series, and Polly, you, this was in season one. So there's that villain attack towards the start, and they're kind of holding out, waiting for the rest of the heroes to show up. Mm-hmm. And this cowboy guy shows up and just shoots <laughs> the main villain in the leg like four times. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. It's the weirdest, like, shattering of suspension of disbelief that i've ever seen yeah it's, it's like, so yeah. oh that's not right very superhero unless you're the punisher that's not very superhero yeah <laughs> it's not very superhero and it's just like oh right guns are a thing that could like take like all of these guys out pretty easily yeah like, that's a little yeah it was it's like you sweat but you sweat nitroglycerin weird. okay i i shot you and with a bullet gun. Yeah, so this this one guy, and he hasn't even, like, shown up after that. It's just, I have a gun. <laughs> I'm McCree, basically, <laughs> from Overwatch. Uh, so, yeah, I'm basically, I'm almost at the end of season three for the actual show. So, like, 60 episodes in. 
So that's like where they've stopped for now, isn't it? Yeah, they just finished season three. That's why I kind of paused for a bit around episode 50. Mm. And then I kind of marathoned through the rest of it. I couldn't get through the sports arc. I fucking tried. <laughs> it's so bad. I knew there was a tournament arc and I was like, oh man, I'm, that might not do it. <laughs> like I tried to put, I it's pushed myself so... through, I pushed myself through four episodes of it. And then like, I looked up online, like how long that arc is. And I just like smashed my head <laughs> on the desk. <laughs> It's the longest arc. And that's so bad! It's so fucking bad. I've never seen pacing like that, where the season one is 13 episodes, and it kind of keeps every episode moves things along. And then season two opens with 13-episode-long sports arc. Ugh. It's just crazy pacing. Somebody tried to argue with me. It's not really sports. You can just... You could still watch Uh it. It's not really sports. Like, it being sports isn't my deal. It's so horribly paced, and you know exactly how it's going to end. It's sports, and then it's literally a battle tournament. Yeah, like it's... it's Hey, you want to see these characters fight each other? Hey, you want to see a girl get the shit kicked out of her? Oh, man. And then the best character wins, obviously. Mm. (laughs) Someone brought up the Ruby tournament arc, which is, like... Not... Which is very silly. It, like... Was no. not, it was just a string of fights <laughs> with no That's... context. And then and then the plot starts when the tournament ends. It's pretty oh. great. And then it stops. That seems to be a thing in a lot of these shows where it's like, what if these characters were all heroes? What if they fought each other? It's like... Uh, and now we got no like more fucking ideas. Way. Yeah. But, so for the end of season three, though, Polly, you're going to hate me for saying this. I think they're starting to do good by Bakugo's character arc. <laughs> I mean, good, I guess. Like, it's they only taken it it's a... only taken sixty fucking episodes. Hey, yeah, like... my my favorite RPG only takes fifty five hours to get good. Just get past <laughs> that, and you're fine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I really they hate get... that reasoning. Oh my god, when people use that on me, mm. watch twenty episodes, you'll be fine. You know, how fucking long twenty episodes is in poly time. Polytime um, is at a premium. Exactly. People pay good like, money for a little under seven, hour, 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 seven hours. I should, <laughs> I should word that better. Nobody pays for polytime, okay? Nothing illegal here. <laughs> <laughs> polytime is at a premium, but it is also free. Wait, no. Let's try that again. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, what else did you do? Oh, uh, I was going to throw it to somebody else if you don't mind. Oh, or fine, go right ahead. One other thing, go, John. Do whatever what have you, you been want. up to? Well, since you ask, I'm luxuriating on the couch, about to talk about. Well, only the greatest, one of the greatest, the greatest works of science fiction of all time. I'm talking, oh, of course, Jesus about Fantasy Star Two. The Sega Genesis. That game's... Yeah, oh, wait. You, you forgot the online in the title. It's yeah. Fantasy Star Online Fantasy 2. Star on- it's the greatest work of sci-fi. <laughs> we could only wish. All right. Yeah, I have to sit up now. Just to be serious, John, for a few minutes. This is, this is serious. <laughs> so I played all of Fantasy Star 2. From, from the top. From the top. 
Did you uh, uh, use the? Did you before, use like the patch that I did a couple years ago to make the game bearable? No, I didn't. Boy, that's dumb. Not, Boy, that's real dumb. I wanted to get the pure experience, but not really, because I used a bunch of frame skip to frame skip <laughs> to grind constantly, and I fast forwarded basically every fight in the whole game because it's all auto battle except for the bosses, the many bosses. Um, are there many bosses? Honestly, there are a lot of bosses <laughs> in that game. Uh, for uh, there and... are there are three of them a total. Oh, okay, because I'm like I know Nay, Dark Force, and Mother Brain. And that's it. <laughs> Those cool. fights. Are, but John, you're always bitching about having boss fights that have no context to the story. Where of all course. three of these bosses, all three of those have bosses have context to the narrative. They're, yep, and they're actually it's really well done. Um, like all three every of those, one fights of those fights is very have well consequences and stakes to them, and I think they're they're all really good. I think oh, what that yeah. game is missing is like a really big robot at the end of every single dungeon. <laughs> yeah, that would make it so much better. Um, so I'm being, I'm being mean, but like, cause I saw a YouTube video that was, I, I kept searching for the soundtrack cause I wanted to listen to it. And then I'd see Fantasy Star 2, one of the greatest works of science fiction of all time, oh a retrospective God. part one. <laughs> oh God, there's more than one part. So I kept going, <laughs> I kept going like, okay, y'all, I really, I liked it a lot. You need to chill for two seconds, please. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Dark Force fight is very good. Um, especially for the possession thing. Yes. Where they, 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 they take the idea of we have a JRPG final boss thing that is the literal embodiment of evil and then actually make it like kind of cool and interesting. Yeah. Make it actually feel kind of fairy tale mythic mm -hmm. um, in a way that is cool. Like it, it turns party members evil temporarily. Yeah. Which is pretty cool in a Absolutely. cool way. Dark Force and PSO does that too. Yeah, I think it's real cool mm. the way Dark Falls does that in PSO. Nice. Because then you can team kill. Yeah, you just easily team <laughs> kill and just pray that the person you're team killing can rest up fast enough. And they can't. They can't. <laughs> Not when you're using mech guns. No. <laughs> I would love to I would love to play do the PSO up through at least like end of episode one at some point. Just take a couple of weeks with y'all. I have lovely. a server, John Thire. No, but I mean, like, do it with y'all. Like, have a nice, okay. really I'm, close. I'm you have down to play for... Fantasy Star 4 and 3 first. Yeah. yeah I, no, I have to play 4 first. I am down for a PSO Soxcast experience stream if these two are. Oh, God, we could just stream it. Yeah. yeah. Just like, do I'm a down for that. while playing PSO. Oh, yes, ideal. Get back to the roots. Yeah, like, I'm down. If y'all want to do it, we'll, that we'll get that together sometime. Duly noted. That sounds fabulous. Because I played like ten hours or so back in the back in the day when you first set up the server, server and it was really pleasant and nice. It's yeah. just, that game just like oozes kind of confidence and just. It's made by Sonic out. Team. It just feels good. Fantasy Star Online just feels good, and I like it. Um, so I use maps. Um, for Fantasy Star 2, because mm -hmm. a bunch of people said you should use maps, and because the dungeons are miserable death mazes, <laughs> and I wanted to get through the game sometime this year. Um, especially because I played most of it last la a year ago already, so I was really just hankering to like fast-forward through it. Um, so everyone like said, just, just use maps, it's fine. Just use maps, it's fine. But the thing about Fantasy Star 2 is that the dungeons are the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, 
the towns are really streamlined. Like each town has like six NPCs that are repeated a couple times, so there's not very much dialogue. It when the after after a climate troll, the dialogue changed for everyone to react to the events. And I was like, oh cool, I'm gonna go to each town and talk to the people and see all the new dialogue. But it turns out that they had wrote like six new lines of dialogue uh-huh. and then copied them through all six towns. Yeah. yeah. Listen, buddy, this ain't Trails in the Sky. Yeah. This is not Trails in the Sky. It made me it was a little bit sad in comparison. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> so I just there's nothing for me to do here but go to the next death maze. Yeah. Uh, and there's like I think I went through in my head and counted like all the actual like story sequences and there are like six. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it is very economical about how it deploys its like dramatic moments, oh, and then yeah. the rest of the time you are death mazing. Yeah, because there's literally three pivotal moments. <laughs> there are three pivotal moments in this okay, three-hour so, video game. So what are those three? The same boss fights um, we mentioned. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I no, mean, wait a minute though. There's Mother the dad Brand killing happened. his daughter at the very start. Yeah, that was, that that's was real them. fucked up for 1989. That was yep. where I stopped playing yeah, as like a 10-year-old or whatever it came out. I was like, what? What? <laughs> that's excellent. Um, there's like the intro at the start, dad, daughter, murder, suicide. Um, oh my God. Just, which is a lot. Um, end of Climate Troll, which is a lot. Um, end of the Dams, where... The, the planet from the first game just gets blown up in, like, a second. And yep. it's, like, blinking, you'll miss it. And, oh, it's gone now. Palm is just gone. Okay. Um, I didn't we didn't have it. another 15 hours for the, uh, there to be a third planet this time. Um, I, pro- I didn't process that until then, that the um, planet you're on in Fantasy Star 2, for the most of it, is the desert planet from the first game. So Mother Brain's technology let them make it all nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they can leave lives of perfect ease, relying on the mother brain. Um, so, yeah, there's the end of that. And then you go collect eight magic doodads, and then you go finish the game, yeah. basically. You meet, you meet Lutz from the first game, mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, or Noah, as they... as Apparently, Fantasy Star fans are really obnoxious about... Oh, translation. Yeah, because oh. those games have had a bit of retranslation and like a lot of things had to be changed to accommodate for the four character character limit and names and stuff. So when a I googled things... around for patches, like multiple I saw multiple ones that were like there are two versions of this patch. One that's accurate and one that matches the originals that you remember so nicely. Like if they didn't include that then they would be just burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. Like Oh, man. Um, so, if you play this game... So, Fantasy Star 2 dares to ask the question, can you have too much of a good thing? Because, obviously, miserable, torturous death mazes <laughs> are a good thing. Oh, obviously, yeah. Um, and we all love them, but there's a lot of them, huh? Yeah. Dams are real bad. Oh my god, the damn There's one sequence where it's just four identical, thematically identical dungeons in a row with nothing else. Like, no bosses, not even any bosses. It's just, you go to dam one, and then dam two, and then dam three, 
damn four, and then you can continue the game. And if you didn't oh have maps, God. that would be like six or seven or eight hours. But the coolest part about that part of the game is how the enemy designs change and go from Which like organic perfect. to just like these grotesque like mm-hmm. like technology, but still like yeah, just go look at some of the enemy designs for later in the game. Like I think for like when you consider the age where that game came out, like I think it's really innovative for the time because you weren't seeing art like that in video games mm-hmm. yet. It's really cool because for the first chunk of the game, you're fighting um, monsters that Nate first made at Bio Lab. Mm-hmm. But then after you beat up Nate first and everything is okay after you beat the boss, um, then you're, those monsters are gone. Now the government is chasing you down because they think you destroyed their climate control mechanism and they're chasing you down with the robots, which are suddenly much stronger. And you have to change your tactics because certain attacks aren't good against the robots that were good against the, the bio mechanisms. Um, so that's the one plus out of the dams is that gives you plenty of time to soak in like that different strategic side of things. Yeah. Which I appreciated. Um, yeah, it's it's a really well done story if you understand if you're going into it like expecting the kind of thing it, where it, that it is which is like you know short story stretched out into the big game because that's an 80s RPG it's not a 90s Final Fantasy roller coaster. Yeah. yeah it doesn't have like all of the bells and whistles that would come later yeah you don't spend a bunch of dialogue with Nay before anything bad happens um, it just happens and you just have invested in those characters because of the the experience of crawling through the death mazes with them like that is the emotional investment that you're putting into it um, so I think that I could have I could maybe have seen myself playing this more legit and maybe having a better time yeah because, because the the dungeons are kind of the, the game. whole thing yeah I wish they were there were a little fewer, and I think there's a lot of them that you could just kind of chop in half, like scope wise, and have things have it be okay. Yeah. Um, but I could see myself coming back to this, you know, in five years or so after I've leveled up and I don't know, beaten Legacy of the Wizard or something, and then I'm <laughs> like, all right, now I'm just a big enough nerd that I can take this on. Um, maybe after trying one again too, uh, it's completely different from one because. The way I remembered one was that it was very, very open, whereas two is mostly linear. Oh, yeah. Um, string of death mazes. Um, and then in one, like, after you got past the really harsh start- starting grind, it was pretty easy for most of it. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. There were moments. Yeah. Um, but it's very open, but without a lot of, like, tension. So... I just kind of was like having a jolly old time mapping out the world for 20 hours that much, but I don't really remember much because it didn't have a as much of a shape or big moments like the dams or nay or any any of that. Yeah. So I could kind of see like two being maybe liking a little more, even though one's probably more playable. Um, so yeah, because you actively play one more than just, <laughs> you know, moving around on your death mazes because the combat in Fantasy Star 2 is barf! It's a little bad, um, but it's okay because you can just auto-battle for almost everything as long as you <laughs> grind grind enough. Yeah. Um, I actually had to learn how the fighting worked for those for the three bosses, and I was like, ugh, God, I have to learn what these spell names are now. <laughs> <It> sucks. 
Well, I had a, I had my, I had a setup here because I was playing it on my TV. So I had the emulator window in one corner, and then like a fac, and then the map. Oh wow! I was just like, what am I? What am I doing? My life my has life. spiraled out of control. <laughs> this sucks. So, I don't, I don't see much of a appeal. Like I cheated through RPGs all the time as a kid. Yeah. I was. I grew up with emulators, basically, after a certain point, um, and game facts. So there was no. Once I got to that point, there was no more like banging my head against the wall trying to figure things out. I was just like the slightest bit of resistance. I would just hit up that at. old game facts, yeah. or no, no more quitting Chrono Trigger after like two dungeons. <laughs> oh my god! I replayed. Up to the every time I got stuck in Chrono Trigger, I would just start it over, New Game Plus, and then continue because it was a used game, and then continue back to where I was, and then it'd be way stronger. <laughs> just time loop playing Chrono Trigger. Um, so I don't see too much appeal in doing that now as a grown ass man. Like, if I don't want to play a game, then maybe I just shouldn't play it. As a manly man, at that. <laughs> Like you don't need no, uh, you don't need no sissy facts to get through a video game, unless you're playing Kingdom Hearts, in which case, God help <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck those weird ass progression triggers. Oh, they're miserable. Playing Kingdom Hearts without a guide would be much more miserable than playing Fantasy Star Two. That's how I put, put it, it on the box. The there you put go. Put that on the box. Back in the box. <laughs> Less miserable than Kingdom Hearts. Less a guide. miserable than Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> but I was a little more invested in Kingdom Hearts' story, I think. I well, got to the end of... There's more yeah. there to grab onto. Yeah, there Good is. Good or bad, there's at more. least there's more. Yeah, I got to Fantasy Star 2. At the, I was at the end, and believe it or not, I'd kind of put a lot of pressure on that climax and ending to resolve, like, to be a big deal. And it's kind of it, not. I mean... Every every story sequence in that game is really stilted and awkward because of the translation and because it just is because it's an eighties RPG. Yeah. Um, and it really really feels it in the ending. I'm I think it's really cool that I did not know the twist. Um, wow. Who was behind the mother brain? Mm. That's pretty cool and yes. rad. It's yes. pretty good, good actually. I'll give it that. Good twist. Good twist. End of the game. I think I expected it to have more of a Gundam kill 'em all ending. Whereas it's more like the Butch Cassidy, like, ambiguous. They're going out fighting. Maybe they'll win. Maybe they'll lose. Who knows? Yeah. Um, which is still, like, bold for that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't know. I, like, I cried more at Final Fantasy One. <laughs> and that Mother Brain sprite is real good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good uh, that Chrono Trigger basically stole it for the same boss. Completely just stole it and the name. Yeah, Holy it's Moly. literally the same boss. It's just it's the same yeah. boss. It's great. They, it's so good. It's perfect that they did that. I'm very happy about it. Um. So yeah, I I was a bit disappointed. I think I think I expected a little bit more considering it was, of course, um, the, one of the greatest works of science fiction of all time. <laughs> yeah, which I'd heard from other sources as well. Man, how do you make more, like, than a 10-minute video about that game's story and anything? Like, how? Yeah. Let alone story need more than one... story is 10 f- minutes. Literally yeah. need more than one video to fucking do it. 
Are you talking like, we, like this throughout? We've the whole mentioned thing? every cool thing. Like probably the coolest little touch is the switching to the robots after the nay. Like that was yeah. that when the first time I played it, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm here for this. Um, but man, yeah. Yeah, and the transition where you talk to Lutz, and then he's like, well, you're ready for the final dungeon. And then it fades to black, fade back in, you're on the final dungeon. You're there. And it's just, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a so, video game-ass video game. It's a video game-ass video game. So I like Dragon Quest and early Final Fantasy more than I like the early Fantasy Star. I think I that's think. fair. I think that's fair. And um, <laughs> Mother 1 was just one year later, and oh boy... I, that got to me a lot more too, um, but it, it's good. It's good, and I'm really, really excited for Fantasy Star Four because it's just all story. Because all the story in Fantasy Star Two was good. There was just very little of it. Just there was literally, you know, two and a half minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, and then Fantasy Star Four is like, hmm, we know you don't death mazes. Ah, fuck that. Wait. Come on, let's Fantasy- just have. Fantasy Star Force dungeons are nice and compact. They're easy to navigate. Except mm. may- there's maybe one that's really death mazy, and I I made I made Colin play through that in our Let's Play. Excellent. So basically, Fantasy Star Force is a dumb, dumb down street. That's what I was going to say. Baby game for idiots, huh? Yeah, it's a dumb they down baby game for idiots. Where Final Fantasy were going was like, oh yeah, let's let's streamline this a bit. Let's stop making good games and make dumb story games. Ugh. <laughs> I have a couple friends that really like Fantasy Star 2 a lot more. Mm. Yeah. Well, knowing I'm your friends, like you'd ha- you'd probably know Fantasy Star 3 Defenders. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt it. I do not. I don't think I have. I, all right. Is that, I got, I is heard that a the of... one game no one will defend? Is that the one game no one will defend? Very potentially. Oh, I, I heard... Maybe just give it a shot so that when you move on before, the contrast will be really nice. It's like, <laughs> the contrast is literally, wow, I really went from playing this turd of a game to an award-winning video game that actually feels good to play. That's not a fucking contrast you want to engage with. Just, yeah, just, my, just my thoughts on that matter. Hmm. Who actually made Fantasy Star 3, though? It's a totally different It people, is a different right? team, yeah. They, but it's, I think it's the same team that did... Um, I can't, I'm blanking on the fucking name now, but there was another very simple RPG on um, mm. on uh, Genesis. I can't remember the name of it, though. I'll Google okay. it during one of your segments. Sort of like, Vermilion, I, I think. I don't care about this. I think it was a team oh, that did okay. Sort of Vermilion. Don't people like that one? Oh. Sort of Vermilion's alright. It doesn't really hold all up, right, though. Okay. <sighs> so that that's my 10-year fantasy star journey, because I played one in high school. Mm. Um over the course of like a couple of years, <laughs> you played. So, I thought you were gonna say you played this one over ten years, but it hasn't been that long since you no. gave up on it. Uh huh. Because cause my save got deleted, and I tried loading up a save state that I downloaded online, and it wasn't the same. But man, I probably should have just done that because <laughs> instead of doing this weird fast forward frame skip bullshit, it's just you know I don't have feeling not feeling the RPG. I want to feel it. I want it in my veins. It's got to be a real visceral experience for you. <laughs> yeah. So I will play Fantasy Star 4 and rape about it on the podcast at a later date and have a great time. I think I think you're going to like Fantasy Star 4, even if it's a dumbed-down baby game for babies. Even if it's a dumbed-down idiot baby game for <laughs> morons. Like Chrono Trigger. Like, like Chrono, Chrono Trigger. Trigger. 
Final <laughs> Fantasy VI. Ugh. More like Final Fantasy sucks. Boom! Like, Boom! I think Ugh. Final Fantasy VI... worse than that is seven. Ugh. Final Fantasy VI is Fuck, dead. It's games. dead. Rhett took it out back and shot it. God. Thanks Thanks for destroying... Thanks for finally ending that awful rain, <laughs> Rhett. You know what would make Final Fantasy VII better? Real-time combat. Boom. <laughs> Let's take Final Fantasy XV's garbage-ass combat system and make Final <laughs> Fantasy VII with that. Uh, it's so bad. Uh, so bad. Hey, John. The yeah. Leviathan fight. Oh my god, it's Sonic Adventure <laughs> bullshit. It's the... no, it, no, it's not. It's Pac-Man World 2 bullshit. Whoa. There's, a, there's a summon fight in Final Fantasy XV against Leviathan that is just like... The most uncontrollable nonsense. nonsense I've ever seen in a AAA game. It's, it's like Sonic it's 2006, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's incredible. It's pretty up there. Oh, it's man. just like, oh, yeah, stuff is happening, and it looks cool, but what the fuck's going on? Like, did I do any of this? I don't know. Yeah, it's basically on that level. It feels so weird. Oh, um, did any of y'all play Defenders of Oasis? Because I think Game Gear, because I think that's some of the same team as two. And it's... A much more playable. I played Beyond um, Oasis. That game's real rad. Yeah, completely, di- completely different team. Yeah, it is. It's a Ryoko Kodama RPG on the Game Gear, and it's like everything we just complained about with Fantasy Star Two is kind of fixed with it. Mm. It's also kind of, um, it is like the same theming, like Arabian theming, is like Beyond Oasis, but it's a different team and different folks. Uh, I quite liked it. But okay. no, no more RPGs on the Sox cast, though, until Ghost Lion is done. <laughs> yep, no more RPGs ever. Until Ghost Lion, yeah. Alright, I think I'm done. I think that's my Fantasy Star thing. I'll, I want to play online with y'all, and I want to play four. That'll be fun, yeah. We'll definitely set up a live stream for that um, at some point in the future, where we'll just, we'll just take John through episode one. Sounds like a blast. Alright, cool. It'll be a I photon content. blast! Oh my god. Oh, shit! <gasps> Polly! Setting them up. Knocking them down. That's what I do. What's what up? What you do? What else have you been doing? Well, I did something stupid because I'm going to make sure that this is the point of the podcast where literally everybody tunes out. I've, I'm okay. going to completely ruin the episode because in the past... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I know, it, I know what's coming. I've had, I don't know I've, what's coming. I've had this segment in the past before and I've gotten some very... Ugly emails about it saying don't ever do that again. It's boring. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go ahead and ruin the podcast for everybody because they they like why do they need to be here anyway, right? Like you should be We need like a theme song for this. We really do. Like it's time for (laughs) There you go, right? There you go, right? Music section. There you go. Okay. I was I thought that's what we're where we're going. Yeah, Did you read a book? I, I wanted to do a book reading section, and they shut me down last episode because we were for cl- closing for time. Yeah, we were just no for room time. for culture on this podcast. No culture, fuck culture. They didn't read All it, right. but listen to it. Yeah, you listen to <laughs> it. <laughs> Paul, Does it count? Tell us, <laughs> Polly, tell us about the the music. Music. I a few albums have come the out. The music. Lately. The music. Well, the music that I listen to consists of a few albums that I listen to as of late. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get through them as quickly as possible because nobody fucking <laughs> listens to anything. Like, I could send... I care I about could, one of them. I could Polly, send... You can send me the new Coheed if you want. I'll do that, but it's kind of you know, pointless now, isn't it? Why? 
because you can't actually talk about it on a podcast. So I've got a monologue here for like five minutes about a few <laughs> albums. Oh, man, and... I didn't even think of that. I, would t- I totally want to listen to the new Coheed, too. Oh. Uh, so the first album that I listened to was the new Brockhampton album, which nobody listened to but me, I'm assuming. Uh, they're uh, a hip-hop collective that kind of got together on a forum, ended up moving in together, and just started making a shit ton of music together. Um, they released three albums last year that were very good, called the Saturation Trilogy. Uh, that's a pretty cheeky name, given the amount of material they put out. Um, all three are really good. I highly suggest checking out Saturation 1 through 3. Uh, they're just very... What an origin story. That's very goals yeah, like hashtag goals. I think it's one of the more interesting ways, like a group kind of came together, where it's just like all of these disparate elements just kind of work together because everybody, like, it's a group of like nine or ten people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got a lot of diversity there in terms of what everybody kind of brings to the plate, uh, and I think that that's really cool. Their new album, Iridescence, uh, I guess it's the start of another trilogy for them, because why not put out way more music than any other artist would in a year? Um, This is kind of like also a follow-up to one of the members kind of being unceremoniously punted out of the group when it was discovered that he was kind of a manipulative uh, person uh, and abusive toward uh, an ex of his, so they kind of did the right thing and punted him out of the group, and... He was kind of a backbone of the group, which is uh, also mm-hmm. interesting because like, it's like his portions of each record are kind of like a lot of the standout portions of those albums. So to kind of like kick out one of like, like and the guy is literally the face of all three saturation album covers. So mm-hmm. like to kind of pump that energy out of your band and kind of have to regroup and come out like with this new thing it's really interesting, but it's just like it's more of what they do. It's weird experimental hip hop slash R and B that like nobody is making anything that sounds like them. It's just very weird and fun and quirky in its own way. Uh, I'm only mentioning it kind of just in passing because it's just like, hey, it's a nice, good hip hop record. Clocks in at about 41 minutes. In and out, you're done. It's a breeze. It's just kind of like it's like a perfect cap to the summer album. I feel like because it's just kind of got that vibe to it. Um, which I, I I think fits. I think the original name for the album was like the best years of our lives or something like that. But sort of ah. kind of like weird to say that after you punt one of the main founding <laughs> members out. So I guess that might have felt a little weird. I like the other name for the album. It was just Puppy. Like I thought that would have been good. Like that. Puppy. Yeah, just Puppy. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's a that's a good album. Brockhampton, Iridescence. Like I, if you want some nice chill hip hop, it's got like it's cut with a lot of weirdness and uh, a lot of queer positivity. Uh, because Kevin Abstract is very outwardly homosexual in his raps, which you don't fucking hear ever. Yeah. Um, it's really nice. Really good stuff. It's really nice. All right, I'm yeah. glad to hear for this. I, I haven't really heard from about them much before, so that. Yeah, like also, it might just be, the origin is very nice. Yeah, I think that the, like iridescence would be a good starting point, and then maybe try the saturation trilogy if you like what you're hearing. Cool, that would be my and uh, another hip hop record uh, that nobody's gonna give a fuck about. Uh, Lupe Fiasco's Drogas Wave. Um, this is uh, oh my god, it's like a 95 fucking minute album. Good lord, that's long. It's very long. It's like 24 fucking tracks. It's like, dude, mm. you. That's a lot of music for one That's album. That's a trilogy. 
for yeah, it's almost a trilogy, and it almost kind of <laughs> is because it's sort of a concept album in the sense that maybe only the first eight tracks carry on that concept. Uh. But it's a good concept. Uh, the the concept is sort of centered around um, the slave trade and like slave ships having to throw slaves overboard on their way to avoid sinking in order to smuggle in both the slaves and the drugs and then kind of the concept behind that and then like you know obviously like th slaves being thrown over symbolizing the wave um is that like the slaves that were thrown over turns out they can breathe underwater and have created a utopia like where they live forever and uh they hunt down slave ships and like that's a really fucking cool concept and uh like one of the early tracks in the album is just like an entire verse of him naming off all of these known slave ships and it's just like that's incredible because it's just the names of ships but he's making it work as a rap verse like no other Ooh. words just names of ships Ooh. that's incredible I wish I could remember what name of the song was, but there are so many. I think it's Wave Files. Yeah, I think it might be Wave Files, the song where he, uh, he does that. But it, it, it's Lupe Fiasco. This dude's got bars for days. But like I said, he kind of gives up on that concept maybe after eight tracks. And then there's kind of like a <laughs> small spoken monologue taken um, uh, from someone on an interview about uh, Helter Skelter and all that stuff, which still kind of ties. And then you get into these... Uh, second set of tracks that uh, have these really uplifting messages. I think two of the better ones are about two children, uh, two African-American children, like separate stories. So each one has got their own song about uh, like these kids died under terrible circumstances. One of them was like a three-year-old that ended up shot in Chicago. And another one was, uh, it, was a hey, highly, where I live. it was a highly publicized uh, like, like immigrant vessel sank and a kid's body washed ashore and he wrote these songs um Oof. about them but as uh stories of if they'd lived and lived out these wonderful like moments of helping others and being a credit to their community and um it's actually just like i think that that's a really sweet gesture and it's just the stories that he tells are very like it's very touching uh it, it got me got me choked up a little bit when i was sort of sitting there like Wait a minute. Oh, God, I know what this song's about now, and I'm fucking crying. Oh. It's, it's, but it's really good. Like, yeah, it's, um, uh, let's see. What, what, what are the songs here? Like, what were the names? Uh, Alon Forever and uh, ba -ba 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 -ba, uh, Jonula Forever. Uh, yeah, he wrote two of those, and each of them kind of round out that second half of the album. And then, like, there's this third part of the album where it's just like, oh, I'm going to wrap my fucking ass off now because I got bars for days and it's real good. <laughs> um, but this is a lot to take in. Like, it's just, like, it, it's a little too much, like, if it, it, for one go. And he has a very specific kind of beat that he likes to ride. And, like, I kind of have an issue when albums kind of don't change tempo very much where it's really hard for me to get through them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. But uh, Dragos Wave is it comes highly recommended. But if you're not familiar with Lupe Fiasco, I would say maybe start with The Cool or Tetsuo and Youth first, because those are kind of like lighter meals. They're still pretty heavy, um, but um, and and they don't quite have like like they, they they all kind of follow that same formula of I got a concept. Whoops, I forgot the concept. <laughs> <laughs> 
they all kind of fall <laughs> off on that same way. Oh man, it's just he can't he can't quite carry it through. It's like all three like this would have made three really good EPs if he would have released them like that, because they've all got mm-hmm. very distinct like starts and ends to each portion of the album. So yeah, like especially that first half uh, concerning like the actual Drogas wave. Uh, portion of the album is just wow like the stuff he's saying there is crazy and like i said like those really touching tracks um later on are just really good too so yeah uh lupe fiasco drogas wave it comes highly recommended uh with the the only asterisk being you're gonna be sitting there for a while (laughs) so make sure you're doing something where you know You'll, you're not just sitting there for ninety minutes staring at a screen. Do you do you do y'all do that? Like, no, with music, just never. like, okay, just like listen, sit and listen. There are albums that I do that with. Yes, I will throw okay. it on and just vibe the fuck out. Okay. Yeah. Because that did, is. Yeah. I did that one time, with like an album. You'll think it was funny with, uh, the second Proto Men album. <laughs> Oh, I did that too, I guess. Because I sat there with the lyrics booklet, and there's, like, a lot of story in the lyrics booklet that's not spoken. So, like, Uh you kind of just go through the whole story with it. Hey, if you're going to have a conceptual album with stories, I got one of those too! Oh, really? Oh, yeah! Yeah, Yeah, uh, Friday, uh, the new Coheed and Cambria album, Vaxis. Oh, hell yeah! Vaxis Act 1, The Heavenly Creatures Release. This is another behemoth of an album. Uh, it is literally CD capacity. It's like 79 minutes, 58 seconds or something. <laughs> That's insane. Um, it is a lot of material to take in. It is 15 tracks that are all like four to seven minutes long. Um, we're going that's back. That's just Kevin Barrett, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Rhett would love <laughs> like it. That much Kogi, just all in one go. He oh, just all in one go, yeah. I mean, just he would love it. down, just as right much down the as, gullet. Just as much as he loves the first Good Apollo album. Just boom. <laughs> Gulp it all down at once. <laughs> Gulp it all down. It's pretty easy because every song, you know, you hear one, you hear them all. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right. So we're kicking Rhett out of the call. Right. I was literally listening to that last night and, okay, just like every day at work, basically, when I'm trying to get something done. Mm. It's like, all right, put on Good Apollo 1. It's a good album. That's my power. How do you not That's like good... that album? I'll give it another shot sometime. I really good Apollo real one. good. That one. that one. Like that album is so good. The only ones I've gotten into a little bit are Afterman, Ascension, and Descension. Those are good. I thought you liked Year of the Black Rainbow, too. No, I think you keep thinking I like that one. <laughs> I could have sworn you told me you liked that one. <laughs> I can't. I Honestly, I can't tell those fucking albums apart. They all sound the same to me. You are so, so stupid. You are so musically stupid. Are you the know ones that? right before and after Good Apollo? Like, what? I, I think the, yeah, the, the two right before that I, I tried getting into and then had some trouble. Oh, Second Stage, What's Turbine your... Blade, and uh, Silent Earth 3. Yeah, that one, those two. I tried getting into them and had a bit of a rough time. Like, do you think those are worth giving a little more time I to? I love those albums. I uh, think that they're incredible. I think that you have to go in with a different mindset, though, uh, because okay. obviously, like, Good Apollo 1 is what they were building to with those two records. So mm. when you listen to Second Stage Turbine Blade, it is very indicative of sort of the, the hardcore slash emo um, 
roots that they had. And then Silent Earth 3 moves on to the more progressive elements. And then Good Apollo 1 combines those. Gotcha. Because I think it's with Good Apollo 1, they just there's this sort of emotional core there. Yeah. That's like really obvious of the, not breakup, but like the relationship angst. Yeah. That I found cause to connect with over time. Yeah. And there's less of an obvious like, through line there with the preceding two i think yeah like you definitely like i think good apollo one resonates so much because it comes from a lot of real things that was happening in claudio sanchez and his uh well now wife's relationship at the time (laughs) there was already a lot of relationship angst that went into that album i mean i think he literally told his uh, told her at one point i don't think you should listen to this album because i kill you in it what the fuck? <laughs> oh man, it's bad. It's like da 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 da. Slam your head in the door. Yeah, da, da, da. it's pretty violent at the end. <laughs> yeah, the one I keep, there, there's one I've had on loop because it was just really resonating with me. I think it's Once Upon Your Dead Body. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I hope you die right now. I hope you die right now. <laughs> Literally a refrain while the chorus is going. It says that as the, as the song ends. You die right now. So it's a very straightforward um, moment of... Con- There's a very straightforward emotional connection there. Yeah, and it's got the willing well on it, which it's is... It's got the willing whoa, well, man. 28 straight minutes of super great music. Yep. Oh. Uh, so uh, back to Vaxus Act 1. Uh, all right, well, we, we got, it was good for us yeah, all to kind yeah, of go it, over it's our, good, it's good our, our co experiences. Yeah, it's good to hit tangents. Um, yeah. But like I said, like, I, I've, I've, I've kind of listened to this about four times since Friday because it's just a lot to take in at once. And where I feel that when you listen to older co and Cambria records, and if, especially if you listen to them sequentially, you hear them building upon their sound, adding more to their sonic palette with each album, and you get to the Afterman, and that's kind of sort of where I feel they stopped integrating more stuff. Like, the Afterman is kind of like, okay, like, we filled up the, the, the well, this is all of our sounds, uh, we've added the last bit, and then you move on to... Uh, the color before the sun and it's like it's a good album but it's kind of like you guys are kind of getting a little comfortable aren't you you're real comfortable with these songs there's a couple of new things you're doing here and there but most of that album i feel is pretty forgettable um, which one again uh the color before the sun gotcha okay that was the one that was released uh, a couple years ago mm-hmm. um and uh so this new album is the start of a new trilogy of 80 minute albums i think yeah big big theme trilogies are big trilogies are big um and like i like a lot of this album like i've had it like just in my head like i can hear these songs so there's obviously there's been a connection made that i can remember so many of these songs just kind of like because i've only listened to it four times yeah, that matters a lot. But a lot that of this, lot. but a lot of this album has stuck in my craw, which is a good sign. But I don't think I've fully kind of settled with it yet. Um, like I think I still need like another two or three listens for the whole thing to kind of click together. But I think that my criticism still stands in that I feel like when you listen to those older Coheed albums, they're expanding the Coheed sound 
Whereas I feel like the last two albums, including Vaxis, I feel like they're playing the Coheed sound, if that makes sense. Mm. Whereas I don't yeah, really, I, get that. I don't feel that this album adds anything sonically to what they do. I don't feel that it's diverse as it could be. Uh, I feel that like there's just like this kind of like two or three songs kind of in the middle that feel a little pudgy, whereas I don't think you run into that issue on Good Apollo. Whereas that album, like, and that's sort of like the vibe they were giving off going into this album is just like, this is going to be the Good Apollo Volume 1 rival, and a kind of just like on first few listens don't think we're there. I think it's good, but I don't think that you're quite there because there's just kind of like, like I listen to this album and I can go like, okay, the Dark Sentencer, that's like a one-to-one song. If I could go back and say that that's just a okay, it sounds like Century the Defiant from uh, the previous album. Uh, it Walks Among mm-hmm. Us. That's uh, sounds sounds a lot like Eraser from The Color uh, Before the Sun. Like it feels like they've got these sounds and they're just kind of making these songs with those sounds. Um, so I was right. No, you're not right because because the songs this, don't wow, sound right? all this time. Polly Polly's finally agreeing that you're just right all along there. Yeah. No, because I don't think all the, the songs... Goheed songs sound like other songs. They all sound the same. I don't think that that's an accurate representation. <laughs> that's exactly all. what you're saying about this new album. No, <laughs> I'm saying that there are analogs that can be created in terms of mood. But they're not. But I am not going to say the Dark Sentencer is the same song as Century the Defiant. Well, it's not the same song. It just sounds the same. I'm gonna just ignore everything you say for the rest of the segment. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Okay. Okay. I had the the funniest thing ever was when I started up Second Stage Turbine Blade, and it was the first Coheed album I'd listened to besides Good Apollo. After listening to Good Apollo like 50 times. Ooh, that's and gonna be jarring. Like, yup. Um, and then I got like two songs in, and I was and I was listening to it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and then they started before booting up the next one. They'd started like a five-minute Hearthstone ad. Oh, and it was, <laughs> it was like this like slow build-up where they were like walking <laughs> on ice, uh, walking through snow up to a building, and then they open up the door, and then they're in a pub, and then after like two minutes of like atmospheric build-up, they do like a musical number that feels very, you know, like old musical movie. Uh-huh. I was like, whoa, this is a weird direction. <laughs> and then about four minutes in, they start just chanting, Hearthstone! <laughs> and I, I didn't even get it at that point. I thought, huh, I wonder if Hearthstone is pulling from some <laughs> reference I didn't know about, and oh Kobe was pulling God. from the same thing. It's pretty fucking good. And I got the entire ad. <laughs> and then after I finished it, it didn't start the next song. And then I looked, opened up the video, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then I started the next one, and then it sounded like kind of more of what that was. And I was like, oh, this isn't different. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought they were being really like out there. Okay. Like, Second Stage Turbine Blade, especially if you started with Good Apollo Volume 1, I think that's going to be the hardest one to get into, just because it's so rough around the edges, um, and it doesn't really incorporate the progressive elements that would be introduced on In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. 
I connected a little more with the keeping secrets, especially because there was a little bit of relationship angst in the middle there. I remember oh, yeah. that there's the song where that there were some lyrics, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, he's saying lyric, the sad lyrics. Good, I like this. This is what I like. <laughs> so, maybe, so it's like a theme of, of lyrics that you connect with. Yes. Um, so that's my cohesion journey. I'll, t- I'll just probably check out this new one. Just yeah, go I, th- for it. I think yeah. Go ahead. Like it's, I, I like this record. I'm not. I, I I don't think that I'm at a point any at any in any way conceivable where I could say like this is like one of the best or one of the worst because it's only been out for like three fucking days. So you yeah, know, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna like. I'll probably have more to say about it because I mean honestly, this game's going to be, or or, or this this album is likely to be on my album of the year list at some point. So. You'll hear more about it if you listen to that awful podcast that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. I was going to say, is it just a once a year podcast now? Yeah, it's just a once a year podcast with me and Taylor now. We kicked the other <laughs> two out. Well. That's nice at least. Yeah. You still got that at least. Mike Peachy says, I need to give Dirty a Computer Dirty Computer a listen. Yeah, you do. Uh, uh, yeah, you do. Janelle Monet's Dirty Computer good. is real fucking good. Holy real crap. Good. Like, it's just, like, the spaciest, fucking jazziest, like, I have a hard time putting that album in a genre because it's not a hip-hop album, but it's not an R&B album. It's more of kind of, like, this weird techno space pop thing that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rhett, go listen to Dirty Computer. I want to hear your thoughts on that one. Oh, jeez. It's just really interesting. I, I, like, I like OK Computer. Well, you like Dirty Computer, too. You got two companion <laughs> yeah. pieces. There's a one-to-one relationship there. Yeah, it's just obviously. like yeah, they're 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 a series, like a like perfect. Yeah. You know, even though it's different artists, you know, same thing. Okay, see, so I looked up "Dirty Computer" on Wikipedia, and it has a bunch of genres that aren't are literally what you just said. It's not, but then one of them is neo soul. Yeah, that's a good Excellent. genre that I would. <laughs> yeah, it's very soulful. Yeah, I think but you should listen to that album. Soul. You should listen to that album. I want to hear it because, like, I know that you like shit like Portishead and things like that. And this this gives that kind of vibe, but it's oh. got a bit more of a strut to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, Vaxus Act One. Like, I'm I'm pretty okay with it for now, but I can't really make any kind of final calls on this for a while. But I like it. Hey, Rhett. Hey. Got 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 anything else for us? Got got a game. Uh, so I guess we're not allowed to talk about JRPGs anymore, though. That John was like, no more JRPGs. I don't know if that was just for him or not. No more JRPGs until everybody plays Ghost Lion. Oh, oh I'm shit. I'm kind I'm kind of done for the day. Then sorry, <laughs> sorry y'all. I think Polly would be too. I would be. Yeah, this would be like literally <laughs> the end of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> All right. Starting starting next podcast, no more JRPGs until Ghost Lion. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got a game. Okay. It's called uh, Crosscode. Hey, I have that. I have that too. Uh, and oh, it's, so that's uh, what you're playing. I was wondering if that was Cosmic Star Heroine. I was like, what no. is this? No, it's very a different, different style. style. Even though, like, oh, okay. Cosmic Star Heroine is very much, hey, want a fantasy star imitator? Yeah, right? basically. Yeah. This is maybe gets a little this kind of feels like pso in a way because yeah. it's based on like it being a fake mmo mm-hmm. but uh you said we can't talk about jrpgs but that's okay because crosscode is secretly a puzzle game yeah i was <laughs> starting to notice this 
weird trend of everybody talking about holy that's, crap there's a lot of puzzles in this game and i'm just like oh god am i gonna regret my purchase hey polly yo don't listen to this john yeah block puzzles yes. oh no i heard it <laughs> he told you not to listen i said <laughs> this looks nice so this game's weird I've been hot and cold on it, and I'm currently warm on it, which is good. It starts mm -hmm. really strongly, kind of focusing on the story. The plot of the game is that you're this girl who's stuck in an MMO, and like everybody else is just a normal player, but you're stuck there. So it's Sword Art Online, basically. Kind of. But like in Sword Art Online, everyone is stuck there, I think. And it's, it's awful. Like, and it's awful. <laughs> In this, like, no one actually knows that you're different from everybody else. Mm. And, like, they also do kind of a cheeky thing with it not being... Your character is not a silent protagonist. She just has a glitch so she can't talk. Yeah, that's a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good solution to that problem. So, like, over time, like, the developers are trying to add new words for her, like, Hi! Bye! Leah! <laughs> So that's all she can say. Like, it's, like, kind of a quick chat in PSO, basically. So, like, where I'm at, she has, like, six words, I think, and they're, like... But for a huge part, it's, like, she can only say hi or her name, Leah. <laughs> so people are, like, oh, okay, I guess you've got that bug. So, like, they... Everyone else thinks it's just kind of this common bug that happens to, like, 1% of people. Mm. So, like, the first hour of this game is really strong because it's establishing the story, and you're, like, man, the gameplay feels really good. It's, like, kind of got a top-down shooter-y thing where... You know, right analog to aim, and then you you throw balls a lot. Yeah, it's basically a gun equivalent, but your character is actually just throwing balls really, really quickly. <laughs> and then you've got some melee combat that feels really good, and then you've got puzzles, lots and lots of puzzles, using these <gasps> uh, mechanics you have. Bouncing balls everywhere. Yeah, so like a huge part of the puzzles are like you know if you throw the ball at a forty-five degree angle wall, it'll bounce off, and then you're ping pong and stuff all over to hit targets across the room and stuff. Yes. So uh, I'm here for that, it starts really strongly, and then you kind of get to the start of the in-game game, and it's just like, oh yeah, so this is a fake MMO analog, and they lean really, really hard into that. <laughs> Ah. where there's like way too many quests and areas that are way too big and it starts to feel like it might be a huge grind and I got really kind of scared and then I kind of was just like I'd heard people saying like hey like don't actually waste your time doing these quests because if you just push forward a little bit you'll get new gear anyways yeah. they'll immediately invalidate all the stuff you grinded for on these quests so, like, I still kind of still fell for it, though, because combat in the first area is kind of difficult. Like, it felt like I was mm -hmm. killing stuff a little slower than it should I should be. But then I did eventually just push forward, and, like, I got to the next town, and it was just like, hey, you want to buy some level 15 gear for, like, 800? I'm like, oh, okay. Like, all... I just replaced everything I had, like, in a minute. So, like, don't waste time on side quests in this game, basically. Uh, on, ba on basically Xenoblade. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to beat that game someday, goddammit. Yeah, I bet you will. He says after playing for like three hours, then dropping it again. <laughs> I tried to go back to that, and it was like, man, it's been another two months since I played it last. What the hell? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so weird. I, that, it's got so, I, that it still has its hooks in you. I mean. I've had, 
I've had it like on the top of my like Steam favorites list for like three years or probably now. It's been a while. Mm. Anyways, CrossCode. So yeah, on the game is new, so I'm not sure how accurate this is, but on how long to beat, CrossCode says like main story twenty one hours, completionist ninety hours. <laughs> like um, it's a fucking huge gap. Yeah, like, that's thing, a little fucking nuts. The other thing is that, like, in the overworld, there's kind of jumping puzzles where, like, you'll see all these treasure chests out of the way and, like, they'll have, like, really specific, like, oh, if you go over here and then jump, jump, jump through all these, like, kind of secret paths, you'll get to that treasure chest and it'll be, like, three healing items and it's totally not worth it at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, yeah, so you just kind of want to push through. So, like, there's two phases of this game, really. There's kind of the overworld town and overworld stuff that's kind of weak and then there's the dungeons which are the highlight so far and the dungeons very much remind me of ocarina of time because <laughs> they are just slow grinds shitloads of puzzles and just way longer than they probably should be <laughs> like i'm talking probably like a couple hours oh my one. god like I've oh, only done man. two. There might only be like the main four or so, and then maybe an end game or whatever. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like they're they're very much Zelda dungeons, but maybe a little more tightly linear. And like, almost every single room is just a couple puzzles, mm-hmm. and then you go to the next room, and it's just more puzzles. And then you go to the next room, and maybe you'll have like a kind of a scripted enemy encounter. Like it's not one hundred percent puzzles. The other thing is that. And the overworld combat against enemies feels kind of mushy because, like, you just heal after battle. As long as you let your chain drop, you'll just heal automatically. Mm. But when you're in a dungeon, like, it'll be kind of waves of enemies. So you have to survive and not take as much damage. And you're alone in the dungeons as well, for story reasons. Fighting feels a little less consequential. Yeah, it feels much more consequential in the dungeons because, like, if you you die, you have to restart the whole encounter and stuff. And then you got the boss fights, which are very good. And again, a little harder than they should be, I feel. Mm. Like, it kind of feel, has that indie game feel of like... I want to be a really no, hard game that's retro. Not even that. Just like lack of playtesting, no. maybe. Yeah. Even though this actually probably did have a ton of playtesting because it's been early access. Yeah, it was for like in early years. access for a fucking year or so. But it, like, I guess I would compare it to Hunters in the way that Hunters is a little bit longer than it probably should be and a little more, like, it's just kind of indulgent. Yeah. Like, a little bit harder than it should be. And that's like, fine. That's fine. Yeah. But I, I got it's kind of It can be kind of cute, I think. Yeah. It's it definitely feels nice. I don't know how many people made this, but it definitely has that kind of, like, rough around the edges Ash feel to it. Yeah. And I, I got real mad at the first boss. Oh, the no. Because <laughs> I just, like, I got the first two phases down so pat, and then the third one kept one-shotting me, and I'd have to start the whole thing over. Oh, my and God. Just... Colin says CrossCode was in development for seven years. That's... God. The sprite art is very good. Oh, like, my God. It's so good. It's so good-looking, and, like, there's a lot of it. Yeah. He's over ambi- it definitely feels a little overambitious. And I'm hoping the story pays off. Like, it's not bad, but it's, again, the whole fake MMO thing, they lean into that a lot, especially yeah. towards the start, and then they start to kind of peel back the layers of what's what, kind of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And there's this one girl who keeps teaming around with you that's really cute and, like, 
for some reason she hasn't realized that you can't talk because she just loves to talk herself. <laughs> That's like having a John Thayer around you. Yeah. He would never I'm know like, I had laryngitis. <laughs> Wait, what? I was yeah. making a joke. I was making a joke <laughs> at your expense. I know, and, yeah, and, I, and I said, wait, what? Like, I didn't hear you. Like, okay. That was the joke. Okay. And yeah, oh. the characters all have this kind of PSOE kind of like sci-fi, like robot parts on them. Like, they look a lot like PSO characters. Yeah. Like yeah. the broadcast with the like, human face, but robot body. Mm-hmm. And like, you join like a fake guild of like, you know, seven other players who are all way higher level than you, basically. This sounds like dot hack done right. It's probably quite maybe is. How much of dot hack did you play? I forget. Uh, about eight hours. And then I decided I'm never playing that game again. Oh, <laughs> I remember. I remember you started off so optimistic. Yeah, I was like, like I want to do this. I want to see this through. And I was like, oh no, I am so fucking bored. And then I looked. At, <laughs> and then I looked up how those games progress, and all three games literally have the same progression, and literally uh, have a tournament uh, arc in the middle. Oh, 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 I'm like, I'm never arcs. touching this shit again. We love tournament arcs. It's uh, really funny because Trails in the Sky has a tournament arc and it works. I won't say which game in they each game no 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 I was oh, in a okay. in one of the two games okay. that there is a tournament arc and okay. it's just like they make oh, it work fine. because it's a cool part of a plan cool yeah I also mentioned how I also there's also a part in, in one of the trails games that compared to the dams in fantasy star 2 and Polly was like no <laughs> no those are much better <laughs> They are not like the dams. Not at all. <laughs> I get yeah, what you're going for, but it's much more straightforward in trails. Much better. It's over in like it an is. hour. Yes, Aww. and it is. It doesn't last 13 I, episodes? Huh? Oh, we're arcs. talking about the, th- the four dams. No, we're not talking oh. about the tournament arc. Oh, we're talking geez, about I... the four dams analog. Oh, don't okay. worry. The tournament arc is several is a good couple is several is a good couple hours. It's meaty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, crosscode. I was a little worried that it was going to be super grindy because it just gives you that overwhelming sense at the start. But it seems like if you kind of push forward and just mainline those big dungeons, like it's yeah. totally doable. Because you know, Cause you'll start leveling. Pretty... Hmm? The dungeons sound pretty fun. Yeah, the dungeons are. A lot of puzzles, though, which I'm like, oh man, but this see, is gonna okay really with, put I'm, some people off. I'm okay with Zelda type puzzles, and it, like I've I've played a bit of Cross Code already, so I know yeah. what kind of puzzles it dabbles in, and I'm okay yeah. with them. Like it didn't seem like it would be the kind of thing that would annoy yeah. the fuck out of me. Like I don't want to do. I don't... Like it'll do. I like it, but it's way too much for me. Oh, see, that's what I'm thinking though. Is that. This starts like seeming like it's gonna be okay, and then mm-hmm. by like the desert dungeon I just did, it gets really hard. Like I think it's harder than it'll do on a puzzle level. Oh no! <laughs> it'll I do got so to be. Close. It'll do was a bit much for me by the end. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh man, is this gonna get even harder? Because it starts like the dungeons themselves remind me of Ocarina of Time, but then like the puzzles themselves kind of remind me of Breath of the Wild, where it's a lot of like mechanical interactions and like kind of thinking about how things would interact with each other logically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and because you start with neutral bullets and then so far i've gotten fire bullets and ice bullets 
So there's like, oh, there's water over here. And if you, if you shoot it with fire, it'll like explode and evaporate. And if you shoot it with ice, it turns into an ice block. And like, like all the puzzles are kind of like how these elements play together. And how do I make this thing go over there and then slide across the floor and hit this fire thing? And, you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes you're just like, what the hell do I have to do here? And then, yeah, it can be a little exhausting when you just get to a room with two puzzles and then go to the next room and it's more puzzles. Teleport rod puzzles. <laughs> and yeah, the sliding ice blocks and stuff. Bonus says there are already long plays on YouTube, so you can just look up a solution when you need to. Just look up maps and solutions. And just breeze through. It's it. the way to make that'll, the game that'll fun. fun. That'll be that'll do it. Then you can just get to the story. <laughs> so far, I haven't looked anything up, but I asked him one puzzle solution, and then went mm-hmm. back to the game and finally figured it out. And I tabbed back to Twitter and like. He just posted the solution like 10 seconds ago. I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I figured it out. You know what's good, though, <laughs> is that, like, you and Colin are playing the game at the same time, so you can do that, like, kids on the playground talking about Nintendo yeah. games thing. And I think that that was Love also that. really fun when we all did it with Fez. Like, we were all yeah. kind of oh, trading shit. Oh, that was shit. so fun! We were trading shit back and forth all the time, and that was really fun. So, like, I think that this game would actually work with that, but that's, like, I, I don't really want to jump to playing CrossCode right now. Yeah. yeah. I've got... Falcom games to play. Like what? What else am I? Gonna, I just can't. Like what else do you want to do the rest of the year? You just just play Falcom games and go slide. What else is there? The funny thing is that the game kind of slide. plays into that too, where these dungeons, your other party members are going through them at the same time as you, but they're instanced. Yeah. So <laughs> they'll give you text messages like, "Oh my god, fuck that moth boss." <laughs> I hate moths. It's cute. I want to beat up whoever made the enemies in the stuff. Yeah. That's Pretty real much. good shit. That's real good shit. Love that. I wish that, like, ne- like Neptunia, uh, Cyber Dimension Neptunia had done more of that, because there are some things where, like, Neptune has gone AFK. She'll just stop <laughs> <Nice>. moving. <laughs> like, I wish they would have played more with that kind of stuff, too, but they, but it's just, yeah. like, a one very specific instance of it. Sometimes those games, they, yeah, they always feel like they could go further you could just in a direction and they don't. A little sucks. more. If you had just made the hard commit a little more. Mm. So yeah, CrossCode seems pretty good. I'm I'll really have more to say about it in the future. Yeah. So at first I was like, man, I don't know. If this game is actually 100 hours long, but then it's like, oh, it's not. If you just kind of push through. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like I'm kind of hating the overworld stuff, which maybe is a bit fair, but... The dungeons are real good, at least. Yeah, that's that's good. Hey, I haven't heard honestly, an update. Honestly. I haven't heard an update. How's the dog ear infection? Much better. Good. Um, I haven't taken I haven't taken them in to check to see if it's entirely gone because it costs eighty bucks. Mm. <laughs> um, but he's not scratching at his ear. Um, he isn't in pain when I clean his ear now. Like, mm. He is much less bothered when I do it. That's good. Um, I've got a couple more sedation pills, so I'm probably going to get a couple more like real good ear cleanouts just in, just in case. But I think it's probably gone. That's good to hear. Always good. Yeah. Always good. All I'd have to do is get some drugs. That would mostly not drugs fix dog. everything. Get drugs and a muzzle so that he couldn't bite me. That's, that's then, then... how I get all my dates. Why did I say that? It's a terrible thing to say. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Muzzle. Yeah, of course. Like that adds to the extra layer there. (laughs)
<laughs> hey, John! What yeah? Did you, what did you do? What did I do? What did you do? <laughs> um, besides jogging and muzzling my dog, um, I played a little game called... It's E6. Ark of Naptism. Nappish Tim. Nappish Tim. You can, it's a... It's a there's a little mnemonic device is that when you're trying to spell the name of this game, the dumb name of this game on the internet, just think Nappish Tim. Tim like a needs Tim a nap. Yeah. That is not needing a nap, but it's, Sleepy and it's Tim. Tim. Sleepy, Sleepy Tim needs a nap. Nappish Tim. And the more you know, I'm real glad I played this game. It's It was really good. I, I sampled, um, I expecting some response there, huh? Um, I played Oath way back in the day, like the first half of it or so. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't played any other E's before and I wasn't really getting it yet. I think it it felt good, but I wasn't like really understanding what I was going to be going for, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I played E's one and two later down the line. They're real fun. And then I played this and it's just after playing Trails because I needed, desperately needed more Falcom and it was just a fucking blast. It's so pretty and feels so good. And I like playing it. And the story's nice. And I like talking to all the people. Mm-hmm. And the pacing's good. And I, I cry a little bit. And there's a <laughs> bunch of nice little set pieces. And I like it a lot. It's, it's such, really cute. It's like, like yeah, like Oath and Felgana and East Origin really expand upon what E6 does. But E6 has got this super pure concise feel to it that it very much harkens back to like East one in a sense that this is a game that knows exactly what it's doing and it's just going to do it and get in, get out done. Yeah. It didn't feel rushed because the, the scope of the, it felt like it set up this scope and then fully explored it. And the scope was just small. It's like, here's this Island. There are two towns. There are these like three or four dungeons. And then, once you do all those, and you'll go to the end dungeon, and that'll be that. And so it felt full to me. I also yeah. like the I, I really like the set piece on the on the ship from mm. the Romans. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's, it really does just feel kind of like the older Ease games, but just like uh, hits the pacing better and feels a little better mm-hmm. with the, you know, you get the little attack button and the nice little combos. You got three different swords that all feel a little bit different and they're all valid options throughout the story because um, you can upgrade each of them to roughly the same strength. Yeah. Uh, and you got um, jump slashes. You got jump slashes and they feel real good. Yes. They better because you'll be doing them a lot. A whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, like the magic is very, very simple. It's mostly just down stabbing and jumping up slabbing <laughs> yeah. enemies. And you do that for 10 hours and it feels good the whole time because you're watching the little XP bar go up and you're watching a little gold bar go up. And you're thinking, oh, now I can go get the armor and then I can, oh, I'm going to be level 12 soon. Now I can go fight the, fight. maybe I can try fighting this mini boss I found earlier that kicked my ass. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to go, oh, I remember this dungeon now. I can go through there. You get a little mental map of the, world in your head early on um like it it's just big and it's it never quite gets overwhelming i think where like near the start i had like five or so areas i thought oh i need to come back and return to this like the water you could go down if you haven't i knew if i had an item i could walk into the water by the beach and i knew that there were really a couple areas with really hard enemies i needed to go to later when i was leveled up 
Um, and then you slowly kind of fill out those paths and fill out the map. And by, but by the time it's you're there, the game's almost over. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of hard to talk about. It's, yeah, hard, it's to talk a hard about thing to talk because about just, because it just like it's a game that just does what it does, and then it's done. And it was a very pleasant experience. Yeah, Economical. it just feels kind of it just feels kind of perfect. It's doing what it's it knows exactly what it needs to do. It reminded me of it made me think of like Faron and Skip More Games, where it's just like I want to shake people and be like, this is so good. Why don't you see how good this is? This is what I want. Give me this. Please give me more like this, where it's just like, there's nothing in your face about it. Yeah. Like, big meta twists or super deep mechanics or anything. Um, so I, I feel like if a game like E6 comes out today, I'm trying, I'm, running through my head thinking like how do I even like pitch this at other people when to me this is like an ideal video game playing experience is just like this week of playing e through E6 it's just this feels perfect and nice and I have such a nice time yeah um, <laughs> it's just like you said like it's a hard game to talk about because the cell quite <laughs> literally is look it's this awesome short little RPG that's uh, a quick play it's pleasant yeah. the whole time progress you're always progressing you never feel mm -hmm. like you're wasting time with it. The story, the way you progressed through that game, they don't miss a beat. Nothing's there to feel like filler. It's just... <laughs> filler, huh? Filler. Oh, boy. <laughs> Glances at yeah. E7. <laughs> a little bit I'm of that. Playing that. I might be playing that one next, because I don't want to jump straight into Oath, because that's kind of the same engine. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking I could kind of like jump to 7 and then back to Oath. And for to probably have a PS4 what? rather than play eight, and then, then you know I guess that leaves like Origins and Chalchetta. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think the one thing I said kind of after it was like both with this and Trails is that these games seem to have like a very warm and empathetic worldview mm -hmm. throughout them, like just talking the way the little colonialism story like progresses just like maybe naive but just feels wholesome and kind and same thing with trails where every time it's just the way the you could just know what the worldview of a story is based on how events unfold how people are rewarded how people are punished mm -hmm. um and i just felt kind of an overriding niceness to this and trails and I'm feeling that a lot from just sort of the Falcom purview. Yeah, like, that's a big. I feel like a big. I feel like a big worldview most games have is either centered on cynicism or nihilism, and mm -hmm. you don't really get much of that in Falcom games. They always feel like their games are trying to present something a bit more positive, um, even if they may not fully grasp some of the subject matter they're grasping for they're not like, like they're at least cognizant of that and still try to play it respectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I, we brought up like some of the queerness stuff and yeah. Rails in the sky and then versus like cold steel where like, even when they weren't being like progressive, they were, were at least not being cruel either, which a lot of other RPGs in that era and now can be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And then he told me, like, Charles of Cold Steel just straight up has a gay character, which is fabulous. Yeah, like, yeah. And, again. And, and many people could read that character as predatory because she's a flirty female and she just likes flirting with pretty girls. But the way it's presented is that she is just a character among this group of friends who, like, I mean, I flirt with Brett all the time. So mm-hmm. it feels yeah. very much in that same spirit of, oh, this is just a girl who's very comfortable with her friends who accept her and are just totally fine with who she is and letting her just be who she is uh, rather than like the way I feel that would be pushed in other games or, or, or by other creators who are very mm-hmm. terrible at presenting like an Atlas game, like an Atlas game <laughs> where it's like, Hey, here's some gross gay guys and they want to fuck your cute boys. <sighs> disgusting and of course all of us and then we're playing like oh man hell yeah these cute boys uh, <laughs> so i i guess the one thing with these six is like after ease one and two is a little weird just like kind of not having much of a final dungeon mm. like the the lead up to the arc of naptism napish tim was <laughs> very linear and then the arc itself was just a boss and then another boss so i was like oh okay yeah yeah. Um, we I could have lived. In, I probably could have lived in there for another hour. But the final dungeon of East One is literally half of the game, so mm-hmm. yeah. it's a mighty tall shoes to fill. Yeah, almost like an overcorrection. Like, okay, that probably wasn't right. Ah, uh, maybe. This, but then again, it's really nice. Again, it, the biggest virtue of the game is maybe that tight pacing. So yeah. having it when it gets to climax town, not just stopping for an hour or so to have one more death maze is probably an okay thing yeah um because it, it certainly kept yeah. the emotion emotional momentum of the story up yeah when i was in what actually is the final dungeon i was like oh this is a final dungeon right like i didn't think it was lacking anything at the end honestly i think that's fair i think i'm just comparing it with like honestly just trails fc because even the one after that it's a little bit more linear like trails fc is the one that probably doubles down with the Big old maze. Big old maze. Uh, <laughs> big old maze where we're gonna get you big and powerful for the final boss. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I really liked it. The thing I was gonna say. Oh, um, I remember y'all like going on mentioning sometimes like when I brought it up, like, oh, it has some rough edges, but you really like it. But I really like it. Where the rough edges, the boss, some of the bosses. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of them that are a little rough around the edges. Definitely like not said. their best showing. The the rock oh. arms. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's we yeah. have to reflect the bullets. That one yeah. that one's rough. Yeah. That one felt Pac-Man World 2 y. <laughs> that's my touchstone that's for your shitty touchstone PS2 for, era yeah, bosses. I was about to say. Like that, that we've gone back to that, that well. About, like I said that about the bed of chaos, like this is a Pac-Man World 2 bus. Um, 3D Sonic works too because it's the same thing. <laughs> oh my god! Right, or Kingdom Hearts for that matter. Actually. Oh god, yeah. Jeez. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There, some of those are pretty rough. Oof. Um, I got to. I saved. Um, I, I did make a second save, but halfway through the last dungeon. So I sit, and then I saved over. Um, in uh, the pre the pre-last dungeon, and then mm. when I got to the last area, I didn't realize it crossed the point of no return, so I would have lost about 45 minutes or so. 
if I had to get out of there. Uh, and that some of those, and that one boss at the that the one boss, you know, the one. Mm-hmm. It's pretty intimidating. <laughs> I was really worried I wouldn't be able to beat it without restarting back and doing some grinding or something. Doing, yeah. Hey John. Hey John. Guess mm-hmm. what I had to do with that part? Oh no! Because oh, I think you fight you fight like a dragon, right? Yeah. As like the third to last and boss. And Yeah. And and I was so under leveled, the dragon was like almost impossibly hard for me, but I just barely <sighs> got through and was like, okay, what's next? Uh, oh, oh no! And oh. Like one shot, one shot, one shot. I'm like, oh fuck! And that was literally like I started. Z- started zelda like the next day and didn't get back to e6 for like a month yeah because i was just like oh i'm gonna have to go back and grind like two levels or something and then i did it and the end it was easy like i was just right over that cusp you had that issue yeah. with e7 too where you hit this one point where it was just like oh i might have to do a little grinding oh no but that was ha- no that was halfway through the game though when it revealed oh by the way <laughs> second quest basically yeah, that with with ease. If I'm having trouble with the boss, I will absolutely just be like, okay, fuck this. I need to double back and take him take a beat because again, it's like the one level makes all the difference. Yeah, in probably, these games. it really does all the way up. Like, like I think E seven is where like yeah, the one level thing kind of stopped being an issue because mm-hmm. I I've not felt like I've had to grind in like E seven or eight at all. Mm-hmm. It's just down to skill. Yeah, I think that's I think I... nice in the sense that with ease one, two, six, um, there's such a pronounced difference. Like it, it, you feel it feels meaningful when you level up. Oh and... yeah, definitely. Your trade off yeah, for that the... also is like game balance is much harder to do. You can't have like mm-hmm. a really smooth curve if like basically every boss is a stat check. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that's sort of the trade-off there yeah so i really like i really like e6 i'm very excited to keep continue playing falcom games forever hey, falcom games they, are good yeah they've been ma- making them making them good for like 30 40 30 years yeah they, so they're probably gonna keep doing it they're pro- <laughs> yeah just they're catching up now in the west it just now like like trails of cold steel 4 just recently released there and i'm excited to see what they're gonna do because they are following up east 8 with a direct follow-up for uh, East 9. We know that's happening. Um, they've said that they're kind of like putting trails on the back burner for a little bit. Maybe we dove a little too hard into that for a while. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we do know that East 9 is coming and that it's a direct follow-up to East 8, which is a very oh, exciting badass. prospect for me because East 8 introduces a lot of great characters that I would really love to see more of, especially Donna. Mm-hmm. Donna is fantastic. I'm really excited for Ease 8. I wish I still had a PS4 so I could buy it. Mm. <laughs> well, you, gotta, you gotta switch, I'll, don't I'll you? Make... Is the Switch version okay? Everyone yeah, seems to be right. a little bit... It's mm. like, it drops frames, but... Mm. Well, but then again... <laughs> it drops yeah, half the frames. Well, it's, a 30 per, it's 30 frames per second, and it has some slowdown issues, so... Mm. Whereas the PS4 well, I'm also, is 60. I'm also... So it's oh, already... Starting at half the frame rate, and then you're saying it drops frames on top of that. Yeah, that's that's not great, honestly. Just being fair here. I'm just saying, that's... if you want to play the game and don't want to invest in ti- in entirely new hardware, I don't think Ease I don't think Ease mm. Eight on Switch is the worst decision. 
But also, John's yeah, and, and also I'm for other stuff. And I'm less discerning than probably both of y'all when it comes to those kind of hardware differences. I think. Um, I I was thinking about it on Vita for a minute there. But then you lose, like, like, okay, no. you lose a big chunk of content in the Vita version, unfortunately. A lot yeah. of the Donna stuff is not in the Vita version. Is the good translation on Switch yet? Oh, uh, yeah. Or is that just corrected that? Is it on PC? What's what's up with the PC version? Now? I have no I think idea. it's just not a very good option. I think port. they did as much as they could with whatever money mm-hmm. the port house was given to do, and I don't think anybody's heard a peep since. Oh man! All right, poor poor Falcom. Jetstorm's <laughs> got a point. Like PS4's also got Dragon Quest Eleven, which would probably interest. PS4 you also has fucking Bloodborne, which I really want to play. Yeah, <laughs> it's very good. So there's good there's good incentive for you to get a PS. I'm getting a PS4. Yeah, yeah. That that's the thing is that I'm getting. Yeah, if you one, are so getting a PS4, don't. Yeah, if you're getting a PS4, don't settle on ES8 for Switch. No, yeah, I'm gonna get a PS4 probably at the end of the by the end of the year. If I don't, then maybe I'll get it. But yeah, and besides, I'm kind of okay playing Seven first. Hey, I'm gonna play Knack at some point, Colin. Don't you worry. I'm totally fine. And obviously, I really go ahead. I'm totally fine with whatever Knack is, and I'm sure people are just over conflating Uh, how bad that game is. Uh, actually, (laughs) I actually have played the first one. It's totally a fine (laughs) video game. It's real bad. Ah, it's totally a fine video game. It's totally I heard Knack 2 is fine, but Knack 1, like, really it is It sounds like they, bad. they really have a knack for making Boom. better videos. Boom! You should be writing... Labored. I don't know if that deserves a boom. You should be writing headlines for Kotaku. <laughs> <laughs> PS4 does have Dragon Quest XI. I will enjoy that, no doubt. Knack I just knack really like... I started... I've started two more RPGs since finishing E6. <laughs> oh, six hours into one of them. Oh, yeah. I've I was doing the whole I'm, like, oh, we can't talk about JRPGs thing, and then you know, I was like, oh yeah, John's going to talk about Dragon Quest next, I think. And then you brought out E6, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Man, we did yeah, play no, a lot only, of JRPGs. I'm only, I'm only six hours into the four replay because that was my first one. I don't think I. It, that's not a segment. It's just. It's I nice. just forgot you played another JRPG on top of those. What I'm saying is that I started another one on top of Dragon Quest IV after Fantasy uh. VI. <laughs> I want a portable one and a console one. That way I can fill in my fill in the void wherever I am. There you go. Always fill, JRPG filling the void. <laughs> just a JRPG. That's what they're for. Just an RPG wherever you go. Exactly. That's all I want right now. I think I might be a little bit stressed about work, and I may be good. I'm going into a hyper-obsessive phase, and might it feels good. Might be it. Just might like, be it. Definitely sounds mm, like it. Just like with Castlevania, whenever bad things oh, happen in life. <laughs> it's okay. I'm okay. I have Dragon Quest and Falcom, so I will be okay forever. They'll take care <laughs> of you. They'll take good. They'll take real good character, and they'll make you feel good, too. They do. A bunch of stuff I just said kind of carries over, because Dragon Quest is just really feels good and nice and when you level up it feels good and matters i just keep saying feels good and nice because that's feels good what i have nice. to right now but What's john what if it had real-time evil? combat uh. <laughs> <laughs> just like Final Fantasy 15 and dragon quest 9 have real-time combat or something 
No, they wanted it to, but then people got really mad about it. So uh, they were like, no, never mind. It's the same. It's the same the as series is was. not allowed to change anything. That's quite literally yeah, that, the thing with Dragon Quest is it, is it is the traditionalist RPG up and down. Mm-hmm. Like they they are not allowed to change anything about that series, except making mm-hmm. it an MMO. Apparently, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of why I'm okay, like replaying four and five, even though I've got a bunch of the later ones that I haven't touched. Just because I'm like, one through five was when this was completely changing the game for everyone, and then yeah. after that, it's like kind of making more Dragon Quest. I I, I want to replay Final Fantasy or whatnot. I want to replay eight at some point. That game's lovely. Yeah, I want to get that because they have the nice 3DS version now, so I can play it on the go. Um, Seven's remake sounds very classy and like it streamlines a lot, which will be nice. Um, yeah, eleven. Like eleven is on my to-do list. Probably not this year, though. Like, I mm-hmm. I definitely want to play that game, but I don't think I'm getting to it this year. Yeah, that's where I'm at because I still want to play Trails on the Sky third. That's like good. before any other big. <laughs> Big, big RPGs. I cannot wait for that game to wreck you. Oh, it's going to destroy me. Oh, just fuck my shit up. <laughs> just fuck me up, y'all. Just, obliterate, just fuck up my heart. Just obliterate my butthole. <laughs> That's what I want. But only after I finish these two other RPGs. So Dragon Quest Nine is the DS one? Yeah. Yeah, I beat that. That's the only post-five yeah. one that I've beaten. And then Ten never came out here because it's online, I think. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So eleven is basically the ten of America. They should have just called it oh, Dragon Quest Ten right here. That it's it's really weird because Final Fantasy Eleven is the online one, so it's like yeah. oh wait, it's not mm-hmm. the same number though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks. Like it feels like it should have been. It, like ten should have been a main game. It's it feels bad that we yeah. can't play that, and also that it probably wouldn't be very fun anyway because it's an MMO. Yeah. On the Wii U, I think. Yeah, it's on the Wii U. And, Fuck! What a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird thing, but the, like the community seems to really enjoy it. So, like, it's got like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not just something they shit out. Like, there's obviously right. a community for it, and people seem to like it. So, well, that's nice at least. Um, yeah, I'm sure Eleven is super lovely. I got to see a thread today. I got to see like retweets today that were like, man. And Dragon Quest XI's combat is so archaic and bad. I wish that it was not. It's like, yeah, I wish it was like Final Fantasy XV. That'd be great. Man, it's just like, I've, seen, I've been seeing that a lot lately of this weird rebellion against menu-based uh, combat in RPGs. And it's always coming from people that's just like, I don't know. They always seem like they have a stick up their ass about anything that is like, mm-hmm. at any point, in any way uniform or in any way traditional like they've just got a huge stick up their at like not everything has to reinvent the fucking wheel and i'm so tired of the mentality that in order to be good something has to or just like looking back at older games it's like god why do we like chrono trigger look at all these terrible things about it <sighs> there's just enemies jumping out of the bushes constantly how do people put up with this I've heard that. God. I have seen some just red God hot... forbid we have random encounters. I have seen and some triple red... God forbid there might be a boss we want to grind for five minutes for. Oh, man. I've this game some... is just... This is imposing on my time as a consumer. 
Oh God! Just like it's just it's so weird, and I don't know where it comes from. Is I don't know why people care so much, like about mm-hmm. things like that. It's just like okay, fine. It's like yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven. It's very traditional. That's the thing. It, if you're this fucking salty and butthurt about it, then it's probably not for you. Why do I have to see twenty fucking tweets about it? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Especially since nothing I've played really feels like Dragon Quest, especially games coming out now. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's it's filling a niche, the niche of games that feel like Dragon Quest. Games no one that else feel is like Dragon it. Quest, games that are just fucking pleasant to be in. Like yeah. I, I've I've seen like, video of this games. game and it's gorgeous. Like this game is like a a cute and fascinating little world that is doing what its audience wants to do. Why are you bitching about it? It's not for you. Like, I spent, like, three or four hours today in bed just, like, playing Dragon Quest Four and, like, being Torneco and running my little... Ju- I just bought my little shop, and, oh, I get to go to the dungeon and get the get the swords for the king because he wanted six swords for his people. Oh, this is so nice. It's just... It's hitting all the neurons in just the right way, and that, it's I think so that's... It's so simple, though. <laughs> so simple. Where's the ambition? Where's the depth? Why can't it be deep like Final Fantasy 15? <laughs> yeah, the same John people I've really seen. Likes Final Fantasy 15. I've yeah. seen the yeah. same people make those comments though. Like those aren't just made up. I've seen people bitch about the simplicity of Dragon Quest and then be like, Final Fantasy 15, greatest shit ever. Mm-hmm. Really? Or just like everything has to be like has to have like the like Final Fantasy 10 is probably deeper. But, like, the combat goes on longer. The fights last longer because yeah. there's more going on. There'll be random encounters. I remember random encounters sometimes being, like, five minutes long while you're cycling through all these different characters and watching the Final Fantasy Tactics menu thing go by. Yeah. Trials on the Sky. The battles take longer because there's more depth to it. And when you're less deep, like Chrono Trigger or Dragon Quest, like, it moves at a nice clip and it keeps things... Folk and you generally are a little, maybe a little more focused on like the story and the world, and I think that's perfectly lovely. I saw, I saw Trails in the Sky's combat talked about as being boring and and um, what was it? Boring, simple, and way too traditional. Like, okay, <laughs> are, are we playing the same game here? Or are you just yeah? Saying... It's really deep and smart. <laughs> yeah, like uh... especially with the end game. Yeah. Also, we only played the first hour. Yeah, we only played the first hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Mm. I could definitely complain about the pacing of the fighting there, but they added the turbo buttons and how everything's fine. Yeah, like it's literally <laughs> a non-issue now. When you have the fights that you don't have to think about much, that you can just mash through, then you have that. And then you can just get on with the story, which is nice. Yeah. But then it has that depth when you're in those big climactic encounters where it really counts. Yeah, like, like, Cold Steel did streamline things, but the combat system is still very much, like, in line with not being super traditional. Like, you're not going to win fights mm. in that game by just smashing the A button. <laughs> not going to yeah, happen. It's like half, ta- it's half a tactics game. Yeah. Kind of like Dragon Quarter did, which mm-hmm. are, again, they're trading that speed and pace for the depth, and that's, that's lovely. It's mm-hmm. just that the idea that being shallower doesn't have any merit at all when yeah. it so obviously does in the form of speed. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I RPG talked a bunch. 
I'm going to keep playing them, so <laughs> next time I'll play them more. Okay, so now we absolutely 100% done talking about JRPGs on this podcast? Probably, yeah. Until we talk about Ghost Lion. Yeah. It's until all done until Ghost Lion. I meant even just this episode. I'm pretty sure there's no more JRPGs. No more JRPGs, no, I'm I don't done. think. None. Yeah. Absolutely none. I will pass it on to Paulina. So I played more Persona 5. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Did John... I didn't know what you were doing. Good lord. Oh my god. John, you <laughs> dummy. I forgot. I forgot about Persona. This is how you know he doesn't read your Twitter. Yeah, I know. Because I've been tweeting about Persona 5 quite a bit. Like, fucking constantly, and at, like, weird hours of the night, because you're up all night playing it, apparently. <laughs> Look, some nights you have allergy problems and you can't It's sleep. just, like, 4 a.m., Paulie's just like, shit's popping off! <laughs> so I played a book. I saw those tweets in the morning, like, I looked at the little timestamp, like, oh, yep. That yep. is 4 a.m. Persona tweets. Excellent. I played a whole bunch of Persona 5 in the last couple of weeks. Like, a ridiculous... I think I was, what, maybe 30 or 40 hours last time we talked. <laughs> and I'm, I am I hit the 95-hour mark today. Oh. <laughs> Woo! Yo, Persona 5 is real fucking long. It's a trip. <laughs> God. It's, it's a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, we got off the podcast, and I immediately just jumped right back in. Fantastic dungeon. Introduction to a fantastic... Introduction to a fantastic new character. And, like, for a 100-plus-hour game, like, this game has been pacing itself very well. Like, I haven't felt too much of a burn, uh... Except for when, like, oh, look, oh, no, there's a dungeon, there's a new dungeon. Uh-oh, we hit a stumbling block. So, there's this part of the game where you, the, the game's pacing and, and, and design and dungeon work kind of just takes a nosedive for about mm. six hours. Oh, so when you go to outer space? Oh, yeah, it's the spaceport dungeon. <laughs> so... They they have to, like, in this very short amount of time, before you actually get to the dungeon, like, I would say this is about the span of an hour, whereas previous dungeons, or, or, or I call them dungeons, but it's more like chapters, uh, previous chapters of the story, let's call them, would take their time introducing you to a new character. You sort of find out what's going on with them, and then, like, a dungeon happens, and then a lot of story happens in the dungeon, and then there's the big climax. Um, and then after the really good dungeon that I did, which was a, a really cool pyramid themed, um, dungeon with a lot of really fun light puzzles and, um, uh, so, some mural stuff that you got to play around with and a really cool boss fight, you, you, you get to this next portion where there's like this weird dispute between two characters on your team that just comes up out of nowhere and suddenly they don't like each other and you're like what what's that what's going on here where did this come from why is this uh, happening why are you two being pissy and then like one of the team members just fucking leaves the team and over the course of that you you start like building the building blocks for what we're going to start tackling next and you end up running into your friend again because obviously he's going to continue doing the phantom thief stuff too because he can 
and you end up running into them, and then there's this new character with you, who's all with him, who's also a Persona user, just kind of out of nowhere, and like her introduction into the story. Yes, I heard something break. Does my controller falling off? Nice. Sorry. Did it, it break? Is. Nope. No. No. All right. Nope. So this new character gets introduced, and it's real like, and, and you're like being put at odds with this new character just because the character that left your team is mad at you, and this new character is just like, yeah, yeah, I don't like you guys. You're bad. And it's you're just, dummy. You're dummies, basically. <laughs> it's basic. It, it's kind of funny. Like the, the scene is admittedly funny because she's clearly memorized a script, uh, <laughs> and it's just really cute the way she's saying all of these wild speeches about justice. And you're just like, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty cool with justice too. And she's like, well, yeah. And it's <laughs> it's it's a really cute scene, admittedly, but. This whole introduction to this character, who she is, what she is, along with this weird out-of-nowhere conflict, all gets resolved in this really weird span of time just so we can get access to the next dungeon. And it's it's just so sloppily handled, like, when you compare it to the build-up that all of the other arcs have had. Like, and and it just kind of, like, really shortchanges her character. Uh, And I think she's a good character. Uh, which is why I'm kind of bummed about it because she just gets really shortchanged because it feels really first drafty. Like they didn't really kind of fix this part after we wrote the first draft. We just kind of went with it. Mm. Uh, uh. And that leads us into the spaceport, which was like three hours of the most mind numbingly awful dungeoning that has been <laughs> in this fucking game. Like what happened? Like, Every dungeon up to this point has been so elaborate and immaculately put together. Just, like, fun puzzles, cool stealth sections, things you gotta figure out. And this is, like, a dungeon that is based entirely around the idea of being the most tedious thing you've done in a video game ever. Because it's not even that long. Because, like, you could probably add it up, and I bet there's not more than ten screens to this dungeon. It's the fact that it's one of those dungeons that makes you do everything in a, like, super tedious back and forth, back and forth in the same room, three or four times manner. So, like, the the conceit for the first puzzle is you have to find... um, a section director to get his key card to open the elevator that's uh, on the floor. Worries. And what you have to do is there are these worker robots and you've got to sneak in their room and spy on them to get information on what the section director, like what his personality is or what he likes and shit like that, right? So then like there will be like two or three big boss fight robots that will spawn in separate rooms that are of course way too fucking far away from each other and you have to go find one have a conversation with it and then use the information that you got to determine if that's the section director or not and then whether you want to choose to fight them or not and if you're wrong you have to do a really long awful boss fight Uh, And if you're right, then it changes shifts. And you do this fucking three times. In the same goddamn area. (laughs) 
it's so bad and then there's like oh uh the section after that is i had to create a bridge it, it's just like this big ass series of rooms where you're creating bridges and then there's like the third section where they add timers to that where you've got to like create the bridge go across you've got 20 seconds hit the next switch keep going and then there's like the final area which combines all of this bullshit and it's just like and even the boss fight is literally just tedium it's just fighting the boss fights that you fought earlier only you fight four of them at a time now oh man you don't actually fight the boss of the dungeon you literally just fight like 25 or 26 helper robots in different configurations but like the only catch is that like he can order them to like self-destruct and cause like major damage to your party and then like once you beat all of the minions uh you just do like an all-out attack on him and win and i mean and that's fine like thematically that makes sense given what the the character is because he's just like a dude that owns a corporation and sees all of his employees as robots so that's kind of like the conceit here and so like they do all of the fighting during that fight with him and you're like on like a 20 minute timer for this boss fight or something too like it's it's uh it's not super strict that in there yeah it's, it's not super strict like i think i finished it with like 10 minutes left no it's a 30 minute timer and it took me 20 minutes to chop through mm. all of those robots and it was just like everything everything about that part of the game is so bad like, Persona 3 and 4 have these parts in the middle from, like, July to August, July, August, and September that feel kind of real mushy and inconsequential and not a lot's going on and they're kind of boring. This is just, like, like a span of maybe uh, 10 days in-game, but it's just, like, I was grinding my face against the pavement to get through it. It felt so bad. And then the game picked up again, and it's real good. It's, it's, and, and then it, it started to jam. Yeah, it, it started to really fucking jam after that. Like, the, the, like I'm in uh, the end of uh, I, I'm at the end of November now. So, kind of like if if, if like you're it, like anybody that's played the game wants to know exactly where I'm at now. I'm kind of like in what I feel like is a major climax, and it feels like it should be a final dungeon, but I I'm betting my right butt cheek that it's not. I'm betting there's, like, one more... I don't want to know. That's not me saying... That's not me telling chat to let me know or anything, but I have a feeling that there's just, like, one more thing we need to do, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that it's not one thing too much, because, like, Persona 4 did that, where January just... Like, why? Why did that happen? Like, it was so yeah. bad. And it's just, like, out of nowhere final boss that's just, ho-ho, look at me, I popped up out of nowhere. The big twist. When the the dungeon before that is so satisfying. Yeah. Perfectly good endpoint. Yeah, and, like, that final boss of that final dungeon feels real good. It's just, like, we didn't need more. Yep, agreed. Definitely agreed. (laughs) Yeah, but but, like I said last time, I have just, like, my opinion on Persona 4 is, like, that it's the worst, so... (laughs) Um, <laughs> just the worst ever of anything, really. Yeah, it's the worst. No, it's, I think it's like the worst of these three games. I it just yeah. feels way less consequential to me. Like even though it's like got all of the quality of life stuff, you know, the, uh, from you know that people didn't like about Persona Three because they're crybabies. 
Their crybabies don't appreciate that your character, the characters in Persona Three, don't instantly like you and love you and want to, and would die to protect you. Yeah, and yeah. listen to everything you say. Yeah, basically, and and that you can't control them in in battle. Yeah, I meant that. Just... I meant that story wise and mechanically, they they are not your play things to your dating sim play things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, man, Persona Five is the vibe though... I got watching a bunch of it. I've died way more in Persona 5 than I did in 3 and 4, and people tell me this is the easiest one. Like, I think I think I maybe, like, died three or four times in Persona 3. I can only think of one time I died in Persona 4. Like, I've got my shit blown out so hard in, 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 in Persona 5 quite a few times that it's just like, ow, okay. I lost. There are only three Persona games. <laughs> yeah, there are only three Persona games. Persona I'm, 1, I'm... Persona 2, and the other Persona 2. <laughs> <laughs> Those older Persona games are good too, but like, I, I think it's clear that Atlas has definitely made a switch here, and they wanted to differentiate, and that's totally fine. I think it's fine. Just, I like thinking of things in terms of like different series. In, even if they're in the same series. Like, yeah, yeah we have Persona 3, 5, 4, and 5, and then we have these other Shin Megami Tensei spin-offs yeah. that I might play at some point. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean, it doesn't speak, to, doesn't speak to a moral weakness in the people that like the dating sim games more. Yeah, Louis says, the three, per- the three Persona games, Persona 4, Persona 4 Gold, and Persona 4 Dancing All Night. <laughs> Persona 4 Arena, Persona Q. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Persona 4 games, people. Aren't there two more dancing games coming out? Yeah, there are two more. I just saw the one clip of the of the Persona Three MC dancing on the (gasps) building roof from the end of the uh, the end of Persona Three. I saw saw, enough context to know how funny that is. I saw I saw I saw a GIF of of Naoto Shiragane doing a real smooth dance move, and it was like, oh, I'm thirsty all over again. Yep, it was real good. It was a real good move. It was a real good move. God, very good man so yeah like i'm loving the shit out of this game like even though it had that moment where i was just like i can't do this please somebody else play this for me <laughs> it was literally <laughs> that like i wish i would have known anyone who could have just played that for me it's so bad mm-hmm. um but yeah i'll likely have finished it by the next time so I'll probably have some nice final thoughts to say about it. I probably this game's probably a lock for you being on my game of the year list most likely because uh, it's just, I've had like like I said for a game that I've spent ninety five hours with it hasn't felt like it. Uh, and like mm-hmm. people say that like this game has really bad pacing, but like I don't feel that it has because I feel like it's not writing for the climax as much as Persona three and four did where you get these big climaxes and then a drought. A big climax and a drought. And I think that Persona 5 is better at handling that in a smoother manner where you'll get, you'll build to a climax, but then you'll ride back down smoothly and then back up rather mm-hmm. than just getting dropped off to nothing, uh, which is what both mm-hmm. Persona 3 and 4 like that one month after Persona, like the fourth dungeon, Persona 4. Oh, one month of nothing. God, so bad. <laughs> And, and Persona 4, it just gets worse because, like, at a certain point in Persona 4, you can literally clear all the main dungeons in one day, and then you've got fuck all to do for the rest of the time. 
except just like do social links, do side activities. Like, and, and, and I think that Persona 5 is way better at kind of meeting that content out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's good stuff. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good RPG. It's good art. Too bad we won't be able to talk about it next time. <laughs> that's true. Unless we all play Ghost Lion. Yeah, we'll have to all play Ghost Lion. And then we'll do the, the Ghost Lion spoiler cast, of course. <laughs> of course. I did not I want to start Ghost Lion right after Fantasy Star 2 because I was like, I can't do another 80s RPG right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. Well, I guess Dragon Quest 4 kind of is that. Oh, well. Yeah, I could, yeah. The DS but the DS remakes are real, real good. They're real good. All right. So, does anybody else have anything else to talk about? I do. I do. Can I say one thing before I before I stop though? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce back to the Coheed record real quick. It ends on a fucking fade out. (laughs) How do you? There was no more CD left. Like it makes me think that that had to be a mastering decision because there's but 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 then again like the song that they end on is just like there are so many points during that song where I'm like okay you can jump out now you can jump out now you can jump out and end the song come on just do it and oh no 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 that was my progression <laughs> while listening while while hearing that final track oh my God. in the first time it ends on a fucking fade out I, I like it makes me wonder though just like. You're at CD capacity. Did you not want to edit anything down to to actually give this like big epic album of yours like a nice definitive ending? Like, come on, man. Oh, it's... I wonder what they'll do when they play that song live. They'll probably like, like imagine what? if there's imagine if it just keeps going. There's like actually another three there... minutes or something that's just not on the album because they ran out of space. That would be real fucking funny. And then the. <laughs> And then part two just opens with that. That would be clever. I would be clever with... I, like, I've heard albums that do that, that kind of segue into one another, that pick up where the first album leaves off yeah. in, in a really clever way. Mm-hmm. If they can do that, and I can put that on a playlist back-to-back and make it make sense, you got me. But no. Yeah, like, right now the fade-out sounds... I'm pissed. It really pisses me, it's pissed me off every fucking time I've listened. Like, here it comes, here it comes. You... And it's just like... There are so many points right there at the end where you could just jump out and end on that note. It would work. It would work. Mm-hmm. But no, you just had to keep that refrain going for another minute, didn't you? You dumb motherfucker. <laughs> okay, I've said my piece. Okay. Rhett, you got one final thing for us? One more game. Uh, I played the hot new PlayStation VR jam. Oh. Astrobot Rescue Mission. I'm, is it a porn game? You mentioned this game, and then I read up about it, and people are, like, all up on this game. It's really good. It's a 3D platformer that makes sense in VR. That's interesting. Oh, How yeah. do you make that work? Basically, it's kind of like Crash Bandicoot, where you're, you're always moving into the screen. Mm-hmm. But, like, the level kind of takes place all around you. Hmm. So it's kind of like set-piece moments of, like, oh, like... The path forward is kind of broken, so there. But there's a thing on the left, and you have to like physically look to the left and then jump up. And then there's a path over your head that you walk across, and then you're on your right side of your body now. And then he kind of goes down these stairs over here, and like, like it's very immersive, and like you're just it's like being in a Mario game, kind of. It's got a very similar art style to like 3D world and stuff. Yeah, and just 
it's really hard to explain. And like, I've looked at videos since like this, like watching a video of somebody playing this game kind of makes no sense because it just seems like the camera is doing going crazy. Yeah. But it's because the camera is your head. Basically. Mm -hmm. So like at the start of every level. Yeah. That's how you would want that though. Yeah. Like it makes total sense once you're in it, but like it, I can understand like, explaining this game to people or showing them it like it kind of makes no sense mm. but it's just like you're kind of on this path and just kind of gently gliding forward when the character gets too far ahead of you like at the start of every level i'll just look over my shoulder to see if there's anything behind me because a lot of the times there is excellent like so you're just on kind of this path that's a couple feet wide and just kind of slowly moving forward because you don't get very motion sick and there was a demo they put out a while ago where if the character ran started to run back, then you would slide backwards with them, and it was like not great. That would be so weird. Motion, yeah, yeah. So they took that out in the final game. So it's kind of Super Mario Brothers one rules mm. of like once the screen gotcha. scrolls, you can't go back. And like, yeah, and like the robot you're playing as has a presence in the world. We are like this just this big PlayStation robot holding <laughs> a PS4 controller. And there's a few sections where they'll show you like a mirror and you can see yourself and like bob your head around. There's one part where like you get seaweed stuck on your head and then so you can see it in front of your head and in the mirror. In the mirror. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. (laughs) That's excellent. And then there's one part. So like you're you're controlling this character with the the DualShock, obviously. And it's a very simple game where you've got, like, punch and jump and move, and that's basically it. And, like, you can do a little hover. And the hover is smart because it shoots lasers out your boots, nice. which will hit enemies below you so you don't actually have to jump on things. And it'll also point towards where you're going to land. Oh, that's that's very, very good. Yeah. That's smart design. That's nice. Even though, like, platforming in 3D actually is way easier. It's way easier to judge depth because it actually has depth, you know? Yeah. Instead of, like, mm-hmm. looking at shadows like in Mario. But yeah, you're, the robot you're playing as it's kind of moving on a track forward also has a presence where enemies will attack at you and they can actually like hurt you, but they'll do stuff like throw goop on your screen or That's fun stuff though. That's the kind of fun yeah, stuff you nice. want. Everything in this game is fun and joyous. Like everything in this game like makes me crack a smile. Like there's enemies that'll run up to you and like you literally headbutt is an option. In this game. <laughs> yes. There's parts where like, there'll be a breakable wall above you, oh, so I'll stand up to break the wall, then sit back down, oh. look up to see what was up there, and there's, like, a hidden thing up there or something. That's rad as fuck. Yeah, it's really cool. There's a part at the end of one level where you have to, like, hit a soccer ball with your head. That's so good! So you do a little Ganon back and forth while headbutting the soccer ball towards That's an enemy. so awesome! So good! So the fact that you have that stuff on top of, like the competent platformer stuff like it's very cute and oh so the last level i played <laughs> is basically just a donkey kong country minecart level oh but the fact that it's in vr now and makes you're it just, much more it's fucking crazy yeah even it's really short and like it might be the only level in, like this in the game because it's not a super long game like they're very economical with it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was like man like this is the future. I can't go back to these flat games anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this minecart level is super cool because like first it's kind of taking place in front of you and then they dive down and then you're looking down on top of the track and then they'll kind of roller coaster back up and be on oh, your left. And, that's yeah, so cool. So it's all around you and as you're kind of moving forward, chasing after them. 
that yeah, I've, I've heard this game kind of just keeps get getting better as you go along. It sounds There's like they've one... got like somebody's hit on like the VR experience to sell this thing finally. Yeah, people are saying like this is kind of the new the killer, killer app. app for it. I think yeah. they're doing a bundle with it too. That's There's one smart. level there. Yeah, it's really this cool that I all. Think... Yeah, yeah, cool. it's based. When the PlayStation 4 came out, there was this free thing called the Playroom that had these cute little robot mascots. And then so it just so happens that their design is really close to the PlayStation VR, like the white, black, and blue. Yeah. So when PlayStation VR came out, they made a thing called PlayStation uh, or Playroom VR, mm-hmm. which had a, a one-level platformer that was this, but kind of a demo version. And then like two years later now, they've made a full game out of it, and it's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. There's That's one nice. level there's one level where instead of just sliding forward, you're kind of on a huge beanstalk. So as your character hits checkpoints up above you, you raise up as well. Oh, wow. So there's a little verticality in some parts that's really cool. Because then you're like looking... So then you race past the character and then you're looking down on them and like, oh, there you are down there. Like... <laughs> Yeah, man, it sounds there's like somebody part... they cracked the fucking VR code. Yeah, like there's so many just fun little interactions like this where the, your, the character you're controlling is like always looking at you, mm-hmm. like, and he waves at you and it's super cute. Like, hello. That's do that there's... again. Nah, do it there's again. one part where he can jump on your helmet, which is the first time it happened. I was like, what the hell just happened? He's like, he's like. Got his hands on your screen. He's moving your head around and shit. Yeah, and it's super cute because like if you get real close to him, he's like he's only like two inches tall. You know, <laughs> so cool. It's really adorable. Like everyone, every reaction I see to this game is like this game has made me smile and grin like nothing else has in years. Man, it's it's such a cute pure game. That's so awesome. That yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've done like the first two worlds. I think there's only five worlds though, but I'm I'm savoring, savoring it. it. Yeah, just like it's kind of like how I did uh, with uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn. Is that yeah. like you just take that a little bit at a time because I need yeah, that in really small have... doses. I need that game when I need it, not when yeah. I want to play it. Just when I need it. Yeah, because if you rush to the end of the levels, they're really short. But the whole thing is about like looking around and finding the collectible friends that it's very similar to bullet phase where you're this cute little robot and you have to rescue your other cute little yeah. robot friends. Yeah. So like Aww. they will be hidden in such like really clever places. Cause like I always remember this thing in the portal documentary where there's like, they say like the hardest thing to get anybody to do in a game look is up. look up. Yep. So guess what's even harder in VR looking up, <laughs> getting people to look up. Yep. So a lot of the times it's just like, Oh, if you just look straight up at this point, or if you look straight down, but like having to physically do that is really crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and the, one of the other collectibles is a chameleon that's kind of visible, but then if you look at it for a few seconds, it'll kind of pop, and you get a bonus level if you do that. But yeah, the fact that they hide hide stuff in like plain sight, but you just will walk right by it because you're just not turning your head the right way. It's really neat. That's interesting stuff. And I like I have to imagine like there's a lot of fun psychology that goes into a game like that. Mm-hmm. Uh Door Curtain asked what the game is called. It's uh Astrobot Rescue Mission for PlayStation That's VR. A great name. 
Sounds right. rad. That definitely it's really cool. like Sounds really rad. I want it. If there is a VR, <laughs> like like I only want to play super hot in this. <laughs> it's weird. I feel like this is there's the Trinity now. You've got your oh sex, violence, and your wholesomeness. The three killer apps. Yeah. <laughs> the holy trinity has been realized. PSVR is real now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. And because, you know, the graphics are kind of a simple... A nice stylized thing. thing. Like, it looks really sharp. Yeah. Feels like it'll age nicely. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. definitely a, that's a, definitely a big plus. Yeah. So that's it, I think. That's it. Are we ready to wrap up this fine edition? I got of RPGs to play. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> gotta play. we all gotta play Ghost Lion. So, yeah. How long is that one? I didn't check how to be. I think I saw. Is it, is it even on there? <laughs> I think I saw a long play that was maybe four hours because four hours seems doable. Yeah, I don't know. Potentially. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming out again tonight. I want to thank Tingu, Gemini, Rhett, and anybody else that dropped subs or you dropped bits. Uh, it's always appreciated. Um, I don't know what's wrong with you other motherfuckers, but... <laughs> they just don't love us. They don't love enough. us enough, I think. I think that's really it. I think that's really if it. If they cared about us more, they would. <laughs> John Thayer, where can we find you? <laughs> Um, far away times dot itch dot io <laughs> and ret in three dot tumblr dot com. You can find me as always at make people sexy dot net. And remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you.